Hey everyone, welcome to episode 91 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are doing today uh, part two of our War of the Spark pre-order based set review. Yep. Um, so if you missed the last episode and somehow are tuning into this one, make sure to go check that out um, for our sort of like description of what it's about and for the white, blue, and black cards. Um, if you're too lazy to do that or you only care about red, green, <laughs> multicolored cards. And I only care cards. about red, green. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not gruel, then bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if, if you just want to hear this one, the, the short of it is we are doing a set review. We're going over all the cards we think have some constructed implications. And as we go over them, instead of assigning them a letter grade, we're just going to kind of determine how many I pre-order based on value of the card, how how significant we think it's going to be, how much play we think it's going to see, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so much more likely to just order play sets of borderline playable commons, uh, all the mythics that are like $8 and probably won't see play, just not going to buy them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, it seemed kind of like a fun way to go through it so far. And yeah, let's let's finish this one up. Let's do it. So we're going to start off with red. First is Bolt Bend. This is three and a red for an instant. This spell costs three less to cast if you control a creature with power four or greater. Change the target of target spell or ability with a single target. So there's definitely some like some sweet targets in standard for this. Yeah. You know, the, the ones that immediately come to mind are just like, you know, removal spells or burn spells. Like, you know, if you can... Yeah, if you're a chain chain whirler with like a a lightning strike, that could be fun. Right, or if you're you're protecting your four power creature from a lava coil and getting their guy with the lava coil, like that's where you really want to be. That's kind of specific because it requires you to be playing like a creature v creature matchup where they have some removal. Like it's kind of in the gruel mirror is the place where that happens, right? Only gruel, (laughs) (laughs) right? We're back. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I just, I don't really expect to see this having a lot of play. All of the scenarios where it's good feel pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's pretty bad at four mana. and yes. uh, You really want to be getting that discount. Right. So you, you want to be playing in like a, you know, you want it to be like your one spell or something in your, in your creature curve out right. strategy. You know, and then they have to present something that is like you know, actively strong to change the targets of. So I think it's just a little too... uh, Pretty situational. Too situational to be worth. Yeah, I agree. It's, you know, one of the things that cards like this can do that's cool is counter counter spells. But the Gruul decks really aren't very worried about counter spells. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if Rhythm of the Wild sees play or if the new Domri makes your creatures uncounterable. Yeah. And in general, counter spells are not that great against aggressive red-green creature decks. Yeah, it's just not something that I would really want to dedicate a card towards. Yeah. There's a lot of four-power guys in those decks, but the the situation where you need this is just a little too narrow. So they're super cheap. I'm just not going to bother, though. Yep. Next up, we've got Chandra, Fire Artisan. This is... Two and two red for a Chandra Planeswalker with four loyalty. Her ability is whenever one or more loyalty counters are removed from Chandra Fire Artisan, she deals that much damage to target opponent or Planeswalker. Plus one, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. Minus seven, exile the top seven cards of your library. You may play them this turn. 
So she's really focused in on that, like, Chandra Torch of Defiance plus one right. kind of ability. Yeah. Yeah. Only that one. Um, Although she can play lands, so that's that's an upgrade. And very relevant, honestly. Yeah. And being able to play lands is, you know, it's a pretty large percentage of the cards that you can hit. Yeah. You know, I, I think this card's actually pretty strong. The yeah. static ability seems pretty relevant in a format that has a lot of planeswalkers mm -hmm. so you know we don't really know if that's going to be standard or not yet but it feels like they're pushing it to be <laughs> so um you know just having a planeswalker that you know if they have to deal with it through through combat damage or burn of any capacity it's going to make them having their planeswalkers on the board kind of tough to stick around mm -hmm. and then you know just like the minus seven of like even if they don't have a planeswalker just being able to it, yeah, get your opponent for sevens seven. them and, the, it, and that's kind of like the it's main kinda, it's kind of cute but I don't know how relevant that's going to be a lot of the time I don't know it seems like the main part of the minus seven because if you exile the top seven cards of your library like mm -hmm. you get to play a land in standard you get to play like a land in like two spells or right. something like right, that right 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 that's yeah. fine yeah. but most of it is that you're just doing seven to the dome there right I think this card actually fits pretty well in like an aggressive red strategy where your opponent can't really afford to put a lot of resources into this card. Maybe. The problem is that... It's competing directly with Experimental Friends. Right. It's just, Those decks don't really want to have a four-mana card. It's like This might even end up like seeing like one or two of play in a sideboard. Yeah. I mean, any card advantage Planeswalker is worth a look as a sideboard option. Yeah. You know, this is certainly a reasonable way to juke against control decks that have a lot of sweepers if you're very creature-focused. I don't think it's incredible. I think Experimental Frenzy is taking up a lot of the air that a card like this uh, wants to be breathing. And, like, the ability is kind of cool because it's like, oh, cool, I guarantee getting some damage out of this card. But if your opponent's plan for dealing with Planeswalkers is via straight-up removal spells like Vras's Contempt or the new yeah. Oblivion Ring or something like that, right. and you most want that ability against the control decks, which are the types of decks that run those cards. So I think this card doesn't quite put the package together in exactly the way that I want it, but it still is a Planeswalker that gets you cards each turn. You know, it is an outpost siege right as long as it stays in play this card fills in the category of cards that i'm seeing that are like this card's strong mm -hmm. but it's just not as good as what we have right to work with already so i think there are spots where probably this works out okay and one of the places where i am actually kind of excited about it is with uh one of the cards we'll talk about in a second which is the new sarkin um this card is looks like i can get it for 140 well about 170 I'm willing to pick up two of this card at 170, I think. I don't think it's incredible, and if I never cast it, that's uh, a possibility for sure. But I I don't think that's super likely. I think there will be spots where like, I want a couple of these in my sideboard. Yeah, I can totally see that, for sure. Um, definitely a huge downgrade from our last good four mana Chandra. <laughs> yeah, Torch of Defiance is, you know, that people are starting to realize that card's just really strong always <laughs> in playing it in eternal formats. So. The, like, roller coaster of that card's rating has been wild. Yeah. Like, you know, pre-ordered at, like, oh, this has four abilities, it's Jace the Mind Sculptor. Mm -hmm. Like, saw no play for a little while, then made Teamer Energy, uh, was a big part of Teamer Energy being busted. Huge part, yeah. And now, yeah, plenty of play in modern, even legacy. Right. Next, we got Chandra's Triumph. This is one in red for an instant. Chandra's Triumph deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. Chandra's Triumph deals five damage to that permanent instead if you control a Chandra planeswalker. 
So this is strictly worse than Lightning Strike unless you have a Chandra in play. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it just kind of, like, fits into the slot of, like, you know, like, big red two-mana removal spell yeah. kind of deal. Um, where, you know, you're not really expecting to have a Chandra, so you're mostly evaluating this as a, you know, deal three. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe you end up with a Chandra every once in a while, but it's just not. Yeah. I I think we have so many different options for like two mana red removal spells in this format yes i'm just really not gonna bother with this card for now right yeah Um, after rotation maybe you can pick them up but they're they're not gonna be more expensive no it's i mean it's an uncommon but it's just like a medium red removal spell it's not gonna be a defining thing yep next we have one that merits i think significantly more discussion this is dreadhorde arcanist a one and a red for one three zombie wizard with trample Whenever Dreadhorde Arcanist attacks, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost less than or equal to Dreadhorde Arcanist's power from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Snapcaster-ish, but, you know, it's only really ever going to consistently hit ones. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of looking to hit some shocks or some ops potentially with this card. Yeah. Probably trying to fit into some sort of wizards, like Spells Matters shell. Mm-hmm. Um, I could totally see, you know, because in the Spells Matters shell, if you're trying to be aggressive with like the three mana prowess all my wizards. Yeah, Adelie's um, the Cinderwind. I think you know, this card does go incredibly well with Adelie's. Yeah, just being able to cast another spell for free without any mana commitment mm-hmm. is pretty strong. Uh, so, you know, I kind of like it in that in that shell who knows if it is strong enough to push that shell into playability in standard because right. it's been that i don't think that shell is anywhere near player standard playability right now unfortunately i agree yeah adelise has big problems with being very vulnerable to most of the highly played removal spells including just getting shocked right the fact that with arcanist you can cast a spell the turn that you cast adelise and get some value out is like pretty nice I also like the idea of Arcanist in the Heroic decks, just because you have pump spells anyways. This card goes really well with pretty much any pump spell. You just get to double it up. I mean, the cost is that you're paying like playing like a two-mana 1-3 to start with, mm-hmm. but, you know... But if, if you, you're playing a Heroic-style deck, that's what you're signing up for. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so if you're like three colors and you can put Colossus on there, like Colossus just does nine damage with this thing. Um, yeah. even, even if we're being a little more reasonable, like somewhat sprint is really good with this card. That's one red target creature gets plus two plus one in haste. And I think you scry one. And so this hits for five and you can do that on an empty board. If you have those two cards and you get a couple of scries. The biggest problem with the pump spells in my mind though, is that you're going to have to, I mean, I guess you would just like main phase them mm-hmm. because you're, you know, it's not really going to be. You're not gonna just like have a bunch of incidental, like giant growths in your graveyard or anything, right? <laughs> you right. you just, gotta like, get them there. You somehow. gotta get them there. So you gotta be like pretty proactively casting those, and you know sometimes that's not what you want to be doing. One really cool interaction here is if you cast a pump spell with Dreadhorde Arcanist and you have Feather in play, so you trigger the like get it back ability. It yeah. does come back from exile to your hand. Oh, okay, that's pretty so, cool. But, you know, I think that's an interaction that's pretty important if this deck is going to work. Um, just really easy to gas back up, potentially. I don't know. This card is pre-ordering at $5 right now, which seems like a lot to me, given yeah. what this does. Yeah, five, $5 for this card. Like, this is like a... Like, if it sees a lot of play, it'll be a $4 rare. 
Yeah, I, I think it must be people who are excited about trying to use it as a sna weird Snapcaster in Eternal formats. That's like pushing this price up a little. Maybe. Yeah, oh. I think prices generally can get pretty overinflated with like new-ish style cards yeah. that like look exciting. This definitely fits the bill for that. Yeah. So. I'd pick this up at like 250 or $3. I'd yeah. probably pick up a set. But mm -hmm. at 5 it seems like when I want this, I'll just be able to get it for cheaper than this. Yeah. So. Agreed. I don't think pre-ordering is what we want to do here. I like this card and I'm excited for it and yeah. will, would like to play it. I'm definitely going to brew some shells with it. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> Absolutely. Just like $20 right now, I think, is just not the, the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next is Finale of Promise. This is X red red for a sorcery. You may cast up to one target instant card and or up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard, each with converted mana cost X or less without paying their mana costs. If a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. If X is 10 or more, copy each of those spells twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. Nice. Not particularly concerned about that, per the X equals 10 clause, as you shouldn't be on most of the finales. 10 is a lot. 10 is a lot. I mean, you're doing a lot of damage if you do this for 10. Yeah. But right. they're dead if you do this for 10. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like, if you have, like, three ops, an opt in a sleight of hand and you cast this, like, right. you're going to win that game. Yeah. I, I'm interested in your take on this card. Actually, before I say anything, it's it's so dependent on uh, what shell you find it in, mm -hmm. right? And I just don't really have a great idea of what those look like. Yeah, like I could pick a few shells and be like, okay. Um, so in like uh, spells matters, kind of wizard style deck, mm -hmm. I think this like could be a fine value card. But generally. Uh, I want all of my cards to always be able to do something powerful. Yeah. Right. And this card asks too much to do something powerful. Uh, you're never, you know, you're never going to be able to just, like, jam this on, you know, th the number of times that you go, like, two ones, like, into this on three, mm -hmm. like, as a curve out is, is not going to happen a ton. Right. Sometimes you're going to be... And it would need to be pretty specific ones mm -hmm. that have to be, like, relevant. Like, it's got to be a one that kills a creature and a one that, like... Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to accept the fact that you are sometimes going to find yourself with only instants in your graveyard. And mm -hmm. you, you know, it's still, this card would still be worth a card in that instance, but the consistency just isn't really there for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't, you know, I don't feel very high in this card just in general. Like even, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, even in the decks that I think it could be like quote unquote good in. Yeah. So I don't think you're ever trying to cast a spell on turn three. I think this is more of a late game mm -hmm. type of effect. I, I totally hear all of your criticisms of the card, but that said, this is still my favorite card that's been spoiled so oh, far. Oh, okay. I just, for some reason, I don't know if it's just like the design feels really cool to me. One of the main things that I really like is that it casts the spells so casting this with two targets is three spell triggers. Okay. For So if you ever cast this with two targets, you get your Arclight Phoenixes back. Interesting. Um, All right. Which I don't think... People have been, like, thinking about it in modern and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't like it in the modern Phoenix deck. Right. I think, however, for standard purposes, um, a way to gas back up, just, like, top deck this card, and you're like, okay, well, I get to draw two cards... And get my phoenixes. I could see this in like a phoenix shell. Yeah. And it also triggers Sahili Sublime Artificer three times when you cast it. Yeah. It, it works. It's not the best with Goblin Electromancer, but Electromancer is a way to make it a little bit cheaper if you're running Electromancer in that deck. Anyways, um, I do think it is pretty limited and probably it is not worth pre-ordering at $8. 
but I really like this card, so I am going to get two. <laughs> that means we're getting some. Yeah. I, I see, and this is a little weird because this is a card that I'm kind of hoping to run week one. So I probably shouldn't pre-order it because if I run it week one, I'm going to have to go buy it from Star City Games. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, now that you're talking about it in the in the Phoenix shell, I'm yeah. starting to kind of like the idea a little better because that deck is just really good at stocking up your graveyard. And that's kind of the entire plan is yeah. to just cast as many spells as possible in the early turns. So yeah, just like four mana, Finale of Promise, you know, cast two spells, likely get a Phoenix or two back, you yep. know. All right. Yeah, you don't cast this until turn five or six or so, but yeah. you you always can pretty much. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna order a couple. Probably a mistake to pre-order them, given that I want to run them week one and they're more expensive now than they likely will be. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> um, next one is Grim Initiate. Uh, this is one red for a one-one zombie warrior with first strike. When Grim Initiate dies, amass one. Yeah, it's it's so it's a one mana one one body that dies into another yep uh, body question mark <laughs> uh, you know hard to tell but you know one ones that die into one ones often find a a, a place right yep. like you know the um, I mean black red definitely has stuff that works with this card right. so you know Judith is happy to play with this card um, priest of the forgotten gods. Which has not quite hit playability in standard quite yet, but still have high hopes. Yeah. If any of those decks work, Grim Initiate is going to be a thing in them. Two bodies for one mana yeah. is is too good for those decks. I agree. Um, I assume it's very cheap. Yep, 10 cents. Uh, I'm just going to order a playset because I don't want to not have this card around. Right. Uh, next we have Heartfire. One in a red for an instant... As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or planeswalker, Heartfire deals four damage to any target. This card is not Shrapnel Blast. No, four is <laughs> a little less than five. Four is not five. Sacrificing and a creature or planeswalker. Yeah, that's a lot more expensive than sacrificing your your you know, your modular creature or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Right. Um Yeah. I'm I'm not sold in this card. I think it is easier to run than a card like Shrapnel Blast. Fair. A lot of decks have creatures in them. Yeah. If it's true that we are playing a deck that is actively looking to sacrifice creatures, mm -hmm. say we have cards like, you know, this is a bad example, but cards like uh, Dragon Egg that you just like are looking to get rid of, yes. you know, um, I could see, I could see that this card seeing play in that kind of shell. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, this may be the removal option for like aristocrats kind of decks like if we're running dreadhorde butcher and we sacrifice that at some point to deal four and it also like has three or four power or something at that point then this also has a chance to just be a spell that you want in mono red mono red doesn't run a ton of creatures but in the mono red deck four damage is reasonably more than three um, yeah and if we're going to the face like that is quite a bit of damage four is a lot absolutely but yeah, I, I don't know. The the cost seems kind of prohibitive. The additional cost seems kind of prohibitive for this card. Mm -hmm. So it feels a lot like casting Shard Volley. Like, you don't really want to cast this unless it's like one of the last spells you're casting right. in the game. Right, right, right. Um, that said, like, it's a lot of damage for two mana. There, I can picture multiple different decks running this, um, and it's common. So sure. I'm just going to put it in my basket. Next one, slightly different bases for evaluation. <laughs> this is Ilarg the Raise Boar. 
This is the Red God. Three red red for a 6-6 six, six trample boar god. Whenever Illarg the Raised Boar attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So it's like through the breach on a stick. Repeatable, and you don't even lose the card in your hand. Yeah, <laughs> that seems great. Yeah, I mean, obviously this casting this and then hoping to untap with it on turn six and mm -hmm. then attacking with it right. is not the winningest strategy that I can come up with. If you have a deck that's capable of giving your creatures haste and stuff, though... This is like the one card that I've seen that makes the Fires of Yavimaya card look decent. Rhythm of the Wild. Rhythm yeah. of the Wild. Yeah. Like if you, you know, if you're, if this is part of your plan for Rhythm of the Wild. Right. For the record, I don't like Rhythm of the Wild. I, I don't either. I don't think it's very good. Um, whenever my opponent casts it in standard, I'm like, oh, good. You didn't do anything this turn. That's fantastic for me. Uh, but this card makes a card like Rhythm of the Wild scary. Mm -hmm. Because, it, you know, if you land this guy and give it a haste and get in, right. you know, when I'm not expecting it. And, you know, and then you get to plop another creature into play and, and attack with that as well. It kind of doesn't even matter how big that other creature is. Right. If even if it's a rekindling phoenix, you're attacking yeah. for 10 right now. Yeah. The, yikes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the the six on the ground has trample. Right. Um, you know, it's a lot. And, I mean, it might be Galta that you're putting into play. Yeah. Big yikes. Uh, and that's pretty good. Right. And Galta is... Turn one, Lana Rolf. <laughs> Turn two. <laughs> and then, you know, curve into this guy. Yeah. That's great. Um, one of the problems with, like, Rhythm of the Wild is we're going to go over Red-Green uh, Domri, mm -hmm. Anarch of Bolas, yeah. which may be the type of card that you would rather have in that slot, right. and that does not give haste. Right. Um, and so, I don't know, because, like, haste-giving is, like, kind of tough in Constructed. Mm -hmm. But Domri lets you play it a turn earlier. It does. So that's kind of like haste. True, true. Um, and makes it uncounterable, which at that point is, like... Seems great. Pretty sweet. Yeah. I, I bet... I'm going to get killed by this 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 pig multiple times. Uh, it's yeah. going to be pretty gross. That said, I am not going to pre-order them at $12 right now. Um, yeah. it's, it's a five-mana creature that you got to set up or untap with. It's it's just not unlikely that this card sees no play and goes down to $3. Yeah. So definitely hold off on getting getting it for now but also a card i'm planning on building a deck around yeah seeing if it you know if it all lines up right and this could just be good enough right like it you probably want to be in like a pretty monstery sort of deck he's five mana and can't be your only like top end because you got to right. put stuff into play with him yeah and that is a deck building restriction right um but there's just a lot of stuff it can do even just like putting in a siege gang commander like yeah. if they don't have a good blocker for the siege gang commander then it comes back to your hand and you keep the tokens like i don't or know even if they do have a good blocker for yeah, it you, you can just, just sacrifice it you know yeah <laughs> throw it at them you get three guys yeah i i don't know it's it's a very cool card for sure right yeah i mean i'm excited to see what people try out with this one yeah next up we've got jaya's greeting one in red for an instant Deals three damage to target creature, scry one. The the last three damage to not face that you showed me, I was not impressed with. Yeah. This one I like scry is a little closer. very relevant for sure. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're playing like a big red strategy and are looking for another, you know, just another two mana removal spell. Yeah. I definitely like this as an option. Yeah. Maybe 
you know, like the Teamer Wilderness Reclamation decks uh, have some amount of cheap removal in them. Maybe the Scry is better than having it cost one mana. Yeah. Maybe not, because you want to, like, have it work well with Growth Spiral, but... And the other big thing that's going to define whether or not these cards see any play is whether or not the three toughness is the magic number sure. in Standard. Um, you got to keep an eye out for just, like, okay, what do we really need in Standard? Like, what are the big threats that we want to make sure that we can kill. Yep. It'll and, be interesting to see if three is what we, you know, what we're targeting there. Yeah, and we've seen a bunch of, like, biggish creatures, and given, like, the existence of Rekindling Phoenix and stuff, in my one in a red mana creature removal slot, it is really hard for me to not choose Lava Coil. Yeah, so, as, and honestly, I think that for as long as Lava Coil is in the format, any of the other additional mm-hmm. two mana red removal spells are just not going to... You know, it has to be better than Lava Coil. That's gonna be re- that's gonna be really tough, right? I mean, yeah. maybe if we're casting the Red Finale and we want a Sorcery Speed Removal spell and an Instant Speed Removal spell, so we can double Removal spell. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think mostly Lava Coil is just better than this. But this is common, so I want them in my box because it's fine. Yeah. Nine cents. Add to cart. This one is much more interesting to me. This is Krenko Tin Street Kingpin. Two and a red for a 1-2 Legendary Goblin. Whenever Cranko Tin Street Kingpin attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on it, then create a number of 1-1 one, one red Goblin creature tokens equal to Cranko's power. This is one of those, like, huge upside if it lives. Yes! <laughs> huge upside. I mean, you know, you're attacking now with a 2-3 that makes two goblins. Yep. Like, you you know, you did it. Right? And if it lives again. <laughs> Oof, oh man. Right. Um, the problem is, though, that it's just a one-two body. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any other keywords on it. No yeah. haste. If this gets um, shocked, and right. they even get to like untap before they shock it, on yeah. like uh, Legion War Boss or something. Right. It's just like one of those cards that I'm going to be playing against when I'm mono red, and mm-hmm. I just like don't have any removal <laughs> spells in my hand, and they play it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> how could this happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean. It's such a hard creature to evaluate because it's clearly, you know, the upside is there. Yeah. Absolutely. But I just don't know if it is worth the risk of... Yeah. I think that most likely you've got to be running it in a deck that is taking advantage of it somehow. Like pump spells. So pump spells. So this card goes great with Samut Sprint. Mm -hmm. You know, you cast this, you give it plus two, plus one in haste. You attack, you make four goblins. Phenomenal. It doesn't matter what happens yeah. after that. You've just stormed off. You've, you've, yeah. you've cast <laughs> into the horns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's two two spells. Right, and you're you're attacking them for four damage. Like, you have to either block it or take four there. Like, yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. It also works really well with any global pump stuff, with, like, Domri and Archibolus, yeah. or with Judith. Not only do you get more goblins, but, but they you get bigger power. goblins. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, like, making the payoff of untapping with it stronger, which is not really what this card needed, because the payoff of untapping with it is already pretty good. Yeah. Uh, But I do like it pretty well if you have some ways of exploiting it. Who knows, maybe it is, like, a sideboard card, because it clocks them similarly to a Legion Warboss, so it might be fine in that sort of slot. Yeah. Um, Although, you know, it doesn't get any value if they just remove it on their turn. Right. So that's that's a pretty big knock against it. I still think the upside is pretty high on this card. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe, like, 
some of the Eternal Stompy decks mm-hmm. want to have some some access to some of these. True. It's just one of those cards that can, you know, we have three of those now. We have Rebel Master, we have War Boss, and now there's this card. Yeah. That just, like, you know, I, I'd have to do the math on, like, how quickly this kills compared to the other ones. It's probably not as fast as the other ones, but, you yeah, know, it definitely amasses a pretty big board. The city, tokens but... don't attack until the next turn, so yeah. it's, like, a little slower. But if you have any pump going on, it's, like, way faster. Yeah, that's true. So we're getting closer and closer to maybe having a critical mass of goblins. Um, what this really needs is Goblin Chieftain. Yeah. Just plus one, plus one to all goblins and haste. Giving this, making this guy cheaper? Phenomenal. Uh, well, we do have Goblin War Chief. Or, but... Oh, wait, that's the one that gives them all plus one, plus one. Yeah, okay, so I'm, I'm thinking of the one that gives plus one, plus one in haste. Yeah, the because, good one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> depending on what format we're playing. <laughs> True. If yeah. we're playing 2006 Legacy, then... Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so if... if because Goblin Trashmaster is not a good enough lord mm-hmm. for Constructed. If, if we had Goblin Chieftain just giving this plus one, plus one in haste and pumping all the tokens, and, th- like, that's a that's a curve I can really get. I'm, it's not a curve, but it's a combo I can really get behind. Yeah. Um, so who knows what we'll end up with. Let's see. All right. At 127, I'm pretty in for three of these, though. Yeah. Next, we have Neheb Dreadhorde Champion. This is two and two red for a legendary zombie minotaur warrior. Uh, it's a five four trample. Whenever Neheb Dreadhorde Champion deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, you may discard any number of cards. If you do, draw that many cards and add that much red. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. Another, it's another red legendary creature that has a lot of upside if you, if you can <laughs> untap and yep. connect with it. <laughs> And you yeah. do have to hit, so you got to trample. I mean, it's a five-power trampler, so probably if you do untap with it, you're mm-hmm. extremely likely to hit with it. Yeah. Upside for hitting is high. Uh, adding mana and uh, rummaging, mm-hmm. you know, the the tempo swing is there. Just, like, the mana alone and, like, some amount of card selection or some variety of card selection yeah. seems strong. I just don't know if this is uh, powerful enough for a constructed format. Yeah. I mean, four toughness on this guy makes it very vulnerable to, you know, our favorite removal spell, Lava Coil. Yeah. It does go pretty well with kind of all of the stuff the Rage Boar goes with, is yeah. one of the things that is making me, like, consider it. If we have multiple ways of giving our guys haste, they work well to, if you put this into play with the boar, that's like a reasonable payoff. You get yeah, to go absolutely. look for more monsters. Mm-hmm. And then they just go well. If if I've got Rhythm of the Wild in my deck, like I would like to be following up with something like this. And right. you can't just have the boar and like boar payoffs. So yeah. this might be a fine middle ground for and something like that. You don't want all of your payoffs for that card to be five or more mana. Right. You, you need to diversify your, your curve. For sure. So this is kind of like cool that it is a payoff, but it is less than five mana. Yep. Problems, I mean, this card has a lot of problems. Uh, if you're getting beaten down and you're like a, a monstery deck, like this is, I mean, it's a big body, but it's not particularly doing anything to like stop you getting attacked. You got to right. just like turn the corner and start hitting them. Yeah. It's got the exact same mana cost as Rekindling Phoenix. Yeah. And I... It's just it's just not there power level wise for me. I would much rather cast Rekindling Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, it's cheap. It's a dollar. I just am not going to bother right now. Yeah, it it should just always be at that price. Probably. Yeah. Just a four mana red creature that you have to untap with. Right. Next, we've got Summit Sprint. Mentioned this a couple of times. 
which is probably an indication of what I think about it. One red mana instant, target creature gets plus two plus one, gains haste until end of turn, and scry one. As far as Strix go, this is pretty strong in terms of rate. You yeah. know, not only does it give a keyword for one mana, haste, mm-hmm. which is a pretty relevant keyword, but the plus two plus one is, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at. Typically, these cards come with, like, you know, maybe plus one, plus one. Mm-hmm. Like, typically plus one, plus oh, and haste or something. But for one mana, we're getting plus two, plus one, and haste, and we get to scry one. Yeah. It was just a lot of stuff going on with this card. I gotta say, I kind of miss, this is an ancient card, but Reckless Charge from Odyssey, I believe, was right. when it was first printed. Uh, one in a red sorcery gives a creature plus three, plus oh, and haste, and has flashback of two in a red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... That's that would be real cool if we were using that for our heroic and like illarg shenanigans. Yeah. It would um, have like jumpstart these days. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, still pretty strong. Well, I guess yeah, we have the jumpstart one. We have maximize velocity oh, true, if that's true. what we really want to do. Yeah, here I think I like the extra power. I like the scry. It goes way better with Dreadhorde Arcanist than with than than maximize velocity does. Yeah. You know, I I think that this card is just going to find spots. It's a reasonable role player. It's not a powerful card, but it yeah. does things that we need it to do. And if any of those heroic shells pan out, mm-hmm. this is definitely going to make the bill, yeah. in my mind. Yeah, I think the haste is really important for that, because, yeah. like... If I, get... Yeah, I would probably start with four of these and four of the um, the jumpstart haste card. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not... Yeah, that's not too crazy. I kind of, mm-hmm. and then between those and we're gonna go over the the red white heroic guy, but that also has haste, so you have a deck that can put a lot of like wraths are not good against this deck. Right. So I'm gonna add a couple of these ten cent cards to my cart and move on. Next we have Sarkin the Masterless. Uh, this is one of the rare Planeswalkers. Three red red for a five loyalty legendary Planeswalker Sarkin. Whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. Plus one until end of turn, each planeswalker you control becomes a 4-4 red dragon creature and gains flying. Minus three, create a 4-4 red dragon creature token with flying. So it comes down, you get a you get a 4-4 dragon yes. for five mana. So already we're talking about, that's not bad. You know, it's it's not really something you want to be doing in standard is making a four dragon for five. But, you you know, you get left with this guy, which makes getting attacked a little bit awkward mm-hmm. if you have, you know, especially if you have multiple dragons. That's um, kind of the dream. Right. But, but there aren't any dragons that, like, curve into this guy. Yeah. The number of dragons that you want to see have, you know, have play in standard is few and far between. I guess, I guess Nicole Bolas the Ravager into Sarkin. Is actually really good. You did it. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty strong. Right. Um, you know, because then I, I, I think I just like, I like the static ability on this card. Mm-hmm. I, it, like, it's kind of incidental most of the time. And it's a bummer that it's it only makes your Planeswalkers dragons until end of turn. Um, right. Yeah. It would be sweet to just like turn all of your, drag, your Planeswalkers into dragons. And <laughs> just can't <laughs> just get like, attacked. Can't get attacked. It would be way too good. Yeah. Let's be clear. But <laughs> well, I, honestly, I think if you have any number of other Planeswalkers in play and you're plus one X Arkin, like that's a huge damage. That's output. a lot. So like imagine this curve. Lanowar Elves into three mana Domri. Okay. Into Sarkin the Masterless because Domri makes a mana. Yeah. That you can so, cast on non-creatures. So turn three... Cast Sarkin, mm-hmm. minus for a dragon. Turn four, you're attacking with Sarkin, Domri, and the dragon token, and they all get plus one, plus oh. And a Lanarelf. 
<laughs> and a land war elf, which also gets plus one plus one. <laughs> nice. Like that's that's what. 12, 13, 14, 15, that's, oh, that's a ton of damage. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's, it's definitely a lot. It's, um, I, and I don't think that curve is that insane. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds pretty much like a classic monster's curve. Right. Of, we're really putting the heat on as yeah. fast as possible. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think that Sarkin can definitely offer that. Yeah. Even on its own, it's like kind of a broodmate dragon. Yeah. Makes a four four, attacks as a four four. It is vulnerable to them attacking it back. But control decks are gonna be like really annoyed dealing with this thing. The kind of crappy thing is you can't tick it up to make more dragons without making it vulnerable to instant speed creature removal. Yeah. Uh and it the so the way it works is it stops being a planeswalker, so damage doesn't remove loyalty counters from it. Yeah. But it's not indestructible like Gideon's uh, abilities are. So like if you plus this on your turn and they have Mortify up, they just get to kill it. Yeah. So that is a vulnerability for sure. I I just think that this has the potential to do. Like I I liked it when I was thinking like there's no way you have more than one planeswalker out at a time. But honestly, thinking about it with Domri specifically, and I think these these two cards go together super well in in a deck that can be very cohesive, and that that synergy is just really powerful. Yeah, for sure. I I think this card has a lot of upside to potentially see play in those gruel shells. Yeah, absolutely. Probably not a lot of other places, but yeah, it's <laughs> it definitely kind of immediately defines what it wants to be doing. Right. You know, so. <laughs> And they're $2 right now. I'm going to pick up three of these. I I really like it. And my my gruel brews are pretty much starting at three of this card right now. So I like it. Okay. Looks like we made it through all the red cards. All right. So to recap what we've got so far, uh, looks like with white cards, I pre-ordered about $75 worth of cards, mostly Gideon's. <laughs> the blue cards, I uh, didn't pre-order any Mythics, so I hit about $12 there. The black cards, black cards, I also hit about $78. Uh, a lot of that is from Liliana's. Yep. Red cards, we were a little in the middle. Didn't No no real mythics with this, just the finales, uh, which I guess is half of this $30 red pre-order. Yep. Um, but but dodging the gods is really, yeah, yeah. really the way to save money on this set right now, it looks like. It feels like it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, moving on to green. Yeah, so the first card we have in green is Arboreal Grazer. So this is a 1-mana 0-3 with Reach. When Arboreal Grazer enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. It's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. I think it is not very strong. Yeah. the It's just not worth a card is the problem. Like, yeah. you know, the other effects that kind of go along with this are like, you know, explore. You get to draw a card. Mm-hmm. That's just immediately worth a card. Mm-hmm. This is a one-minute 3 you know? <laughs> so right. It's like trying to do a Lanner War Elf impression, but pretty poorly. You know, you have to have the lands in your hand, and those are worth cards. Yeah. When so. it was spoiled, I saw a lot of discussion about this in Reclamation-type decks, yeah. which are traditionally pretty weak to aggro and also really like advancing their mana. Um, so this might be, you know, it blocks a two-power guy and then chumps something in a little bit and yeah. also gets you up a mana. But I feel like 
people are underestimating just how quickly you're going to run out of lands if you cast this guy. I think that most of the people who have over-evaluated this card have never cast Explore. Because right. the frequency at which you don't get to have the extra land drop with Explore... It's pretty high. It's, yeah. And those are... And Explore is played in... You know, decks that have a lot of lands <laughs> yes. in them, you know, so. <laughs> right, that's the thing. You do not get to cut lands for your deck to, right. like, play these mana accelerants. Like, exactly. if you want to run more. Yeah. This is a spell. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm, I, I'm not sold on this card. I, I could see it as, like, a sideboard option for a, a Wilderness Reclamation style yeah. deck. and, like, the Druid of the Cowl sideboard slot or something like that. Yeah, but I'd, I'd just rather play Druid of the Cowl. Yeah, that's kind of... Yeah. If you're not sold on this card being bad, imagine looking at an opening hand with two of them in it. Oh, man. Yeah. What do you... Disaster. <laughs> it's so bad. Right. Maybe it fills a role. I don't want to cast this card, yep. so I'm not going to order any. Yeah. It's common. I'm sure it's not worth anything. I just don't even want it. Right. Uh, next up, we have Bond of Flourishing. So this is one and a green for a sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a permanent card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order, and you gain three life. So um, it's the, the revitalize green cantrip thing. Yeah. I mean, this card seems interesting. Yeah. I've seen some murmurings of... These new card names are going to kill me. So the um, the six-mana black artifact that you get to cast... Oh, uh, Bolus' Citadel. Yeah, people are trying out Bolus' Citadel in a Explore shell. If you have a Wild Growth Walker in play, all of the Explore creatures... keep gaining life. And... Not only do okay. they gain you life so that you can keep on casting stuff, mm -hmm. but also they help filter your draws. So right. if there's like bad stuff that you don't want on top, like lands or whatever, you can get through those right. and find your spells. So you're just kind of um, doing an almost fair, unfair thing with the Citadel, where you're just like yeah. chaining like dorky creatures into play, but it's so many that yeah. you're probably going to win it, the game. And you'll you'll probably find another uh, Wild Growth Walker, mm -hmm. um, and then you're just really just turning through your deck, right. and you can really go off, it feels like. So in a shell like that, I like this card. Yeah, this seems like definitely just it, it digs towards your yeah. your engine card, right. which seems kind of sweet. And then when you're going off, it works incredibly well for that. It it yeah. nets you a life and gets you whatever part of the wild growth slash explore package you need. Like clears your deck. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, in that, I can see this. Other as uh, like a just normal spell, I don't mean really, like green. Like, Adventurous Impulse, I played some because it cost one mana. Right. Costing two is a lot more, and, like, gaining at three life. Like, green has better things to do for two mana. You you can go up a mana for right. two mana. I'd much rather cast an Explore Creature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or just cast an Explore Creature. So, right. I'm not going to pick these up just because of the Bolus' Citadel deck. No, yeah, I mean, so. that was, I mostly mentioned that just because I thought it was sweet. It is really <laughs> sweet. And it, um, honestly, if this card sees play, it's probably in something like that. I agree. I agree. Um, because that's kind of like the only shell that I can see that uh, all parts of this card complement. Mm -hmm. You know, the gaining three life, digging for a permanent. You want all of those things to be happening. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, You're using all of the buffalo in that, so that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Cost nothing. Cost 10 cents. Hey! Nah, I just won't bother. We'll, we'll pass fine. Yeah. We'll, I'll just pass. If that deck breaks out, then all right, we'll pick up some. Yeah. yeah, and I'll be sad that I have to spend like 40 cents on <laughs> each of them instead. <laughs> right. right. Next up, we've got Evolution Sage. So this is two and a green for a 3-2 Elf Druid. 
says whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, proliferate. This is tireless tracker, right? Um, At land enters the battlefield, you get value. A, it's, tireless, just, it's definitely easy. just tireless tracker. Absolutely tireless tracker. I mean, you know, I don't. I, I just haven't really tinkered around with any of these proliferate style strategies. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that they're going to be terribly strong. So that makes me not convinced on this card because you know you need to be playing a deck that cares about that. Yeah, I just a, a three mana two toughness guy. Okay, and this description is going to apply to tireless tracker, so it's going to be not convincing, I guess. But like a three mana two toughness guy that then you need to trigger. But like tireless tracker works with nothing. Right. Your hand, your board can be lands, and your hand is lands, and, and you that, draw tireless tracker, and you're like, this is the best card in yeah. the world. And and that's you know that's a huge difference is that this card needs a lot of things to be happening appropriately in order for it to be even remotely playable. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not sold. And it still just dies to shock at any point. Right. So. Right. Oh, man. And it's pre-ordering at a buck 30, and I'm not buying this at a dollar 30. <laughs> yeah. That's just not happening. We're passing on that one. Yep. Whew. This next card, though. This next card. This next card we might end up getting a play set of. <laughs> oh, you think so? <laughs> okay. Um, Read it out. So this is a finale of Devastation. So this is the green finality. X green green for sorcery. It says, search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it on the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If X is 10 or more, creatures you control get plus X plus X and gained haste until end of turn. Um, whoa. So, number one, this is not Green Sun Zenith. No. It's... I don't think it's a very good, like, modern card in general. Yeah. Um, it's not getting you Dryad Arbor in a way that you want to do it in modern. Like, two mana is a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's twice as much as one mana when you're doing that. And people are really talking about this card in modern, and I just don't see it. For me, this feels like a two mana, like a one mana cheaper Court of Calling that's sorcery speed and you can't convoke. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't think that's a playable card in no. modern. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to break out in modern. Great. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, in standard... Yeah. No, I mean, in standard, uh, I, I like this card a lot mm-hmm. um, because I've seen it work out really well in a lot of scenarios that actually involve getting to the X10 or more. This is category. the one that it feels like you're aiming for the big mode. Uh, the Nissa that we're going to talk about in yeah. a little bit curves directly into win the game with this card. Yep. Which is kind of insanity. Yeah. I So I've got a, I've got a Google Doc mm-hmm. that's just like deck ideas notebook. Right. And so far it's it's been me and Lee contributing to it. It's like just coming up with brews, pasting, copy pasting lists that we see that we like. And then I have like a two brew section. And in yep. my two brew section, I have... Finale of Devastation slash Nissa, and uh, Lee messaged me. And he was like, "What? What were you thinking of in that Finale of Devastation Nissa deck?" And I was like, "That's literally as far as my thought process yeah, yeah, has yeah. gone on this right. deck." You know, we can put that idea in just whatever green shell that we want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it probably mono. It requires mono green. Because it does because Nissa only does that for forests. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. It does. It does require mono green. For yeah, sure. I mean. You could lightly splash using only Ravnica duels, but that really doesn't work out very well. So yeah, I, I think you're you're pretty locked into mono green for that particular combo. I'm not 
like tutoring in standard can be decent. Like maybe there's some room for finale of devastation in like a Vanifar deck to be like a backup sort of way of tutoring. Mm -hmm. I am definitely most interested in this card in a deck that's actively looking to cast it in gigantic mode. Right. Yeah. And you know, green's the color that wants to do that. So yeah. Makes yeah. sense. It's pre-ordering at ten dollars right now. Yeah. It's it's that's this feels like honestly kind of the closest one in terms of like mm -hmm. price value. It it might be true that it goes down, but it could also be a thirty dollar card. Yeah, um, it like you know if it is a breakout card like some people think it is right now. So my hesitation here, and this is probably just more of like bad psychological biases. Okay. Um, my hesitation here is if I'm playing this card, I'm probably playing it as a four of. In a deck like that, which means that my for my pre-order to make sense here, that's $40 worth of Finale of Devastation. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm not quite ready for that level of commitment to this card. Right. Um, I do agree. I think Nissa Finale is probably a real deck because that combination is extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm just going to hold off on this for now and then maybe... You know, I'm going to keep, like, a note with a couple of cards that I want to pay close attention to on, like, Thursday and Friday of this week building decks and, yeah. and get in that pre-order if I'm like, oh, okay, this is the real deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, sure. this makes that list, but I, I can't quite bite the bullet on it quite yet. That makes sense. So next up we've got uh, Forced Landing. So this is one in a green for an instant. Put target creature with flying on the bottom of its owner's library. So it's a plummet that hits uh, Phoenix. Yep, pretty that's, convincingly. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yep. Uh, seems like a potential two of sideboard card. I mean, I think Collision Colossus is generally better than this if you're making red mana, mm -hmm. unless you are specifically worried about Phoenix, which you might be. Um, but Colossus just gives a lot of yeah, you know, it, and it's a way more main deckable card. You can never main deck Force Landing. No, no, but. This may be, you want a sideboard card to bring in against Phoenix and Lyra, and it works against, like, Seraph of the Scales as well, if that becomes an actual thing. So it's probably a fine sideboard card. I'm not going to order the full playset, though. Two at nine cents seems like plenty to me. Yeah. So next up we have God Eternal Ronus. So this is the green god mm -hmm. from the set. It's three green green for a 5-5 five, five death touch. Uh, when Gonatrona Ronus enters the battlefield, double the power of each other creature you control until end of turn. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. And then it has the God Dies text. Yeah. So this card, it feels, especially in comparison to the other gods in the set, pretty underwhelming. Yeah. It, it definitely just kind of screams win more to me. You have a decent amount of power on the board, and your attacks are already good because... The only additional keyword it gives is vigilance, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you know, the, the if your opponent also has creatures, it's going to trade off just as well. Um, it doesn't help their toughness at all. Yeah, not helping the toughness on this card is a trample. pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of underwhelmed by the text on it, to be honest. I When I first read it, I thought it, get, like, my brain interpreted it as giving, like, plus X plus X, where X was their power. Yeah, and I, that would have been impressive. Right. Um, it, but it's not, it's just not an overrun. It, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help your creature's survivability in any context. Yeah. Um, so, you know. I mean, if you get this with uh, Finale of Devastation for 10. 
you know, you guys have a lot of power. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. Um, but I think we have better options for that. I like like literally anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. We have, uh, you know, we have a crater hoof uh, ish guy that we could get. So. I, I mean, but you're already doing the crater hoof thing, so like, yeah, you just yeah, get yeah. a guy with some power, and you're totally. And fine. all of your creatures get plus ten, plus ten in haste. Yeah. You know, so okay. Yeah. yeah. No, if this actually pumped your guys, I'd be pretty into it. If for nothing else, as a sideboard card in like green mirrors like it would oh yeah it would bust it, those wide open it does right it, it would but it just doesn't it just doesn't <laughs> yeah uh it is kind of cool that like it has a comes into play ability which goes pretty well with the fact that like i'm gonna keep drawing this each time they kill it yeah but the ability just doesn't do it for me mm-hmm. i agree like maybe it allows your medium small dudes to attack into their big toughness yeah, I don't know. It seems yeah, but we're like playing a deck that's we're running reaching. a five mana green creature. We're so reaching, right? That like we're set up for that situation to never come up. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. Pre-ordering at four sixty-five. I'm just not really interested in casting this card at all. Yep. Uh, next up, we've uh, got Nissa who shakes the world. So this is the Nissa we alluded to earlier. Yes. Three green green for a five loyalty Nissa. The static ability is the one that we need to pay attention to. Uh, <laughs> it says whenever you tap a forest for mana, add an additional green. So it's, you know, it's just a mana doubler for yep. a mono green deck. Yep. And that is You can powerful. use that. Yeah. yeah. And, we, you know, we've got, we got a lot of stuff that we can we can spend mana on mm-hmm. in, our, in our mono green decks. Um, plus one, uh, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature land you control. Untap it, it becomes a zero zero elemental creature with vigilance and haste that is still land. Minus eight. You get an emblem with lands you control have indestructible. Search your library for any number of forest cards, put them on the battlefield, tapped, and then shuffle your library. Yeah, the abilities are... Like, if you untap with Nissa, the things you're doing with the mana, like, grossly outweigh the things you can do with right. her loyalty abilities. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it's also worth noting that you still get two mana right. that turn that you cast to your Nissa. So even if you don't make a sixth land drop with Nissa, right. you can still finale, uh, finale of Devastation... Uh, that turn for x equals 10 right so that's relevant for yeah. sure yeah absolutely and you know just the ability to like even like play this on like maybe turn seven or something mm-hmm. and be able to cast this and then cast another really yeah, big thing that's true you yeah, um, cast this with 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 like two like two other uh forests available and then all of a sudden you have uh six, six mana, mana? Yeah, yeah you like this cost one mana to cast. It, it reminds me, like, one of the more satisfying things to do in cube is to have, like, a utopia sprawl on a land. Mm-hmm. You cast the Nissa that untaps four four forests. Right. Un- and it costs you zero mana, and you just cast, like, another Nissa or something right. like that. Right, that yeah. Turn. And then you have, like, two really big, scary threats on yeah. the board. And honestly, I think that this qualifies as a scary threat. Like, giving a land, making a land a 3-3... Three, three, mm-hmm. th- that's not nothing. Yeah, you know? it'll it'll run your opponent over eventually. Right. Um, but also just, like, they have to deal with it before you untap with it, or yeah. you're spending this mana right. on something. Even if the thing you're spending the mana on is, oh, I drew a Growth Chamber Guardian. Mm-hmm. Growth Chamber Guardian, get another one, play it. Growth Chamber Guardian. Like, <laughs> right. Like, that's a fine use of all of this mana. You just yeah. get four four fours. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of power. <laughs> Although I do kind of anticipate a kind of like funny play pattern that might happen a lot with the with this Nissa, where against red decks you're just gonna play Nissa and say go. <laughs> you don't want to turn your land into a three three creature. Maybe I mean if they're the aggressive red deck, then you may just want to like 
use it. Oh, so, I, of course it'll be like situational yeah. or whatever. But if you're, you know, if you can afford to play around stuff, you right. can just be like, right. I, well, <laughs> I, I, I have this win the card if this, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I have this win the game card if if you uh, if you don't interact with this at all. So right, right, and I need all my lands to do this. Thing. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is seems very good to me, and this might be a little inconsistent with my like holding off on getting the finale even if the finale isn't the thing you end up wanting to do with her i do think nissa just has a lot of nissa on its own seems uh certainly powerful enough three dollars honestly I'd, I'd probably just buy a playset. yeah that's what i was thinking like this the deck that three dollars wants this yeah like you i think just... that this is one of the strongest cards in the set okay so and that's been that's been backed up by our initial testing as well okay well then i I will trust you. I will just add four. Because that's that's what I was thinking. That's why I paused and looked at you for a second. Because I thought, I, I think you just want four of this in your deck. Yeah. Four mana doublers, you know? Yeah. The, really the kind of awkward thing is she is not... I mean, I, no, I'm wrong about this. The thing I was going to say is, like, she doesn't really want you to accelerate into her with mana creatures. Because she wants you to, like... She would prefer that you rampant growth out forests so that she can double those. Yeah, but the card but is strong enough. it just doesn't matter. Yeah, right. that's yeah. only if you're specifically trying to finale of devastation for ten the next turn. Yeah, if you're just if you just have places to spend this mana, then yeah, accelerate into her, cast your growth chamber guardians, do whatever your stuff is. Yeah, yeah. cast hydro. I guess I don't know. Maybe you can like splash hydro crisis. If you run... I was thinking about it, but it requires running um, the non forest. Uh, so, I don't know if it does because of this next card, honestly. Okay. I, I'm just wondering if maybe you can make all of your blue mana via just Breeding Pool is the only non-basic that you run, and maybe a couple of guys that make mana of any color, and you can also run, like, New Horizons or Gift of Paradise, which works with her untap ability. Anyways. But, no, I'm hearing what you're saying. Like, if, if, if you're playing a green deck and, and enough incidental... Um, cards, but honestly, I I don't think that Hydroid Crisis is worth the splash. It may not be. Um, I just think that you know we have enough good, powerful mono green payoffs. Um, yeah. So. Anyways, next card. Next card is Paradise Druid. Um, so this is one in a green for a two one Elf Druid. Paradise Druid has hexproof as long as it's untapped, and uh, it taps to add one mana of any color. I really like this design mm -hmm. um, i think this is a really really well designed card it's a two mana mana dork essentially yep. but it has hex proof until you use it for mm -hmm. the first time you're just kind of guaranteed to untap with this a, a significant amount of the time i i like the design of this card a lot i i just don't know if it is exactly something that we're going to be looking for like just generally two mana like ramp creatures mm -hmm. Are feel like they've fallen behind in standard power level. Yeah. And I wonder, though, if that's because of their tendency to die, even in matchups. Like, you know, Esper has to run a couple moments of Craving. And if they yeah. get to cast your catch your two-mana Mana Dork with a moment of Craving, then right. they interacted with you with one of their worst cards against you. Yeah. That doesn't really... I mean, it gets the Paradise Druid at some point, but at least you get the mana out of it. Yeah, once. for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I just really like the design of this card, and um, I think it... Gives it a lot of bonuses. Uh, the other downside for right now in Standard, though, is that as long as people are playing Goblin Chain Whirler, yeah. you, you just can't afford to play this card. So, like, 
getting your mana guy killed by Goblin Chain Whirler is so bad that Sultai boards out Llanowar Elves against Mono Red. Right, you know. Like, and now you're trying to cast like a two mana yeah. thing that dies to Chain Whirler. Right. And is this going in any deck that Llanowar Elves isn't already in? Yeah. Probably not. Right. And yeah. then, I mean, who knows how much Mono Red we see, but people are still going to play it. And if you go, if you're on the draw and you're like Llanowar Elves Paradise Druid and just get... Chain <laughs> Game over. Game over. Because you were going to do something great. But, yeah, I would assume so. Dead in the water. All right, now you have three mana only. Still, like, this card is totally reasonable. Uh, I'm sure that it will be the two drop that some decks want. Yeah. Um, it also, like, I mean, I guess if you're trying to fight stuff with your your two mana mana guy, like, Druid of the Cowl is just better at, like, blocking two ones out of mono white. Yeah. But... This does have two power. You can swing with it. If it's in a deck with, like, Domri or something, it's a 3-1. That actually hits pretty hard. Yeah. So, yeah. At 20... Or at 14 cents, this seems extremely addable to cart. I'll, I'm just going to get a place out of these. That's sure. that's surprising that it's so cheap. I think it's extremely playable, even if not immediately at some point. Um, um it, This is one of those cards that I expect to, uh, you know, need to be remembered post chain whirler rotating out right um, it, it's just wild to me that evolution sage costs 10 times as much as this card oh yeah i know uncommons <laughs> are weird and like that does things in casual formats and stuff but like right. i can see myself casting this card i can't really see myself casting yeah 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 it's just the you know the hype differential i guess yeah i guess you know. so all right so next up we have return to nature so this is one in a green for an instant it says choose one destroy target artifact destroy target enchantment or exile target card from a graveyard we get a strictly better naturalize? Yes. I don't know that we've ever gotten that. Uh, it It's just a strictly better naturalize. Cool. It's crazy. Fine. So, yeah, I mean, you know, naturalize is great. Sees play. This is, you know, this is just a step above. I mean, I don't really know what the function of this card is, really. Because it's not like it... It's not like this card saves you sideboard slots in modern. Right. Because you can't bring this in against any of the modern graveyard decks. Like, you can't pay two mana and a card to exile yeah, cards from the graveyard. Yeah, you can bring it in against uh, uh, Grishelbrand. You can bring it in against Grishelbrand. That is the one graveyard deck where Got I would him. allow you to bring this card yeah. in. Uh, yeah, playing Scape Shift, opponents playing Grishelbrand. Sure. It's over. <laughs> but, like, you certainly can't cast this card against Dredge. This no. is no. I mean, maybe if you're a deck that is, like, vulnerable to Pyromancer Ascension, and then sometimes you catch a Phoenix with this, you could bring it in against Phoenix, but I'm not in, really in for that. Mm -mm. It, it's just a very weird set of abilities, but yeah. sure, it's better than Naturalize. But you're gonna replace your Naturalize. Yeah. If, you, <laughs> yeah. if you're registering Naturalize anymore in an Eternal format, you're, you've done something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, the Eternal formats have Nature's Claim, though, so, you know, we... We're really just yeah. You might have already done something wrong if you were yeah. registering that card, but um, yeah. I don't know. I'm not like whatever. I'll pick up two <laughs> nine cents. I'll pick up two. I just I haven't put naturalize in a standard sideboard in a long time. Yeah. Like so, I, I don't for sure. I don't really anticipate this doing very much, but but you know if it's just. You know, we're talking about playing mono green as as a potentially strong archetype. Right. Once so, you get the plummet in the board, right, and a yeah. little bit of life gain or something, like <laughs> kind of out of options. Right. Right. For sure. This might be a sideboard card, though. Actually. Yeah. So next up, we've got Vivian's Arcbow. So it's one in a green for a legendary artifact. It has an ability X. Tap it. Discard a card to 
look at the top X cards of your library. You may put a creature card with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. I think that this card is tough to evaluate, <laughs> but it is potentially very strong as a kind of like card selection-y style yeah. card where it's you can kind of view it as like a rummage-ish effect where you just know that anything that you draw you can turn into a lot of looks at a reasonable effect. Right. The problem is though that you're I have no idea how to build a deck that includes this card because you 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 need to make sure that you can, you know, still like reasonably activate this for a, a lowish amount of mana. Mm-hmm. You know, so then all of a sudden your deck needs to be full of three or less CMC creatures, right? Yeah. Um, you have to have a ton of... Like, if you want to curve this into activating it, then your deck has to be just completely chock full of CMC 3 or lesses, which I am not really for. Um, yeah, not in a green deck. Right. A lot of the power is tied up. And then every Planeswalker you put into your deck is like a cost. Yeah. Because you don't hit it with Vivian's right. Arc Bow. Yeah. Um, any, yeah, any like non-creature card at all that you're putting right. into your deck is a huge cost. Additionally, you know, okay, so like what's the best case scenario? Now that we're we're activating it for like five, mm-hmm. right? You know, so we've played it. We Now we're activating it for five. What does our deck needs to comprise of for that activation to be reasonable? I don't really know the exact answer because it's like fine if you hit a three drop off of that. It's not great, but it's fine. Mm. We really want to have like a decent density of like good cards that you could hit off of that for like five mana. Yeah. I'm just Yeah. I just I'm just not seeing And it. you're also just down a card. Right. Like you just never get yeah, that card. You back. just discarded a card to activate this ability for a shot. You yeah. know. Oh, but I also mean you're down a card because you cast this. You're, oh and, and, yeah, you know, that as well. You're Absolutely. just even if you hit every time you're minus a card. Right. Right. The only and, and if they're being aggressive at all like, the, just mana going into this kind of disappears and never comes back. And if you ever miss and they're attacking you, like, you're so dead. Yeah. Uh, the only time I can see wanting this, and this was I was kind of thinking it might be a sideboard card, is if they're playing a control deck and they have some amount of, like, Planeswalkers, maybe Wraths, Counterspells, this comes down on turn two, and it really messes with their ability to, like, do stuff to your stuff. Yeah, I do. I do like how it gets around uh, counter spells. Yeah, and it's just like you know, you're always gonna have something in play. Uh, you can activate it at instant speed, which mm-hmm. also makes it pretty difficult for control decks. Right, like most, you know, you can. However many instant speed removal spells they have, anything past their instant speed removal spells, you're gonna get a hit in with it, yeah. which usually is gonna be enough to kill a control deck. Yeah. I don't think any deck ever wants to start this. I think it's potentially a fine sideboard card. Mm-hmm. I'm still not particularly interested in it yet. I'd like Th- to there's see. There's way too many unknowns yeah. in my mind. Oh, jeez, and it's $4. Yeah. I'm not buying any of this card. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, thank you. Fair enough. Um, also, also, the thing I don't like about it, it's got an X cost and also discard a card as a cost. So you want to be like tossing extra mana, tossing your extra lands to the discard ability. But the more mana you have, the right. more reliable the ability yeah. is. It's pretty likely, just play pattern-wise, that you're going to make your fifth land drop and decide and in your head that you're like, hey, this is it for yeah. my lands. Um, but then you don't... Then you're only digging that amount. Yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. Going it's any awkward. farther. It is. It's awkward, for sure. Not into it. Not at $4. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. This next card I'm more into. 
Yeah, so this one is uh, Vivian, Champion of the Wilds. It's two and a green for a foil loyalty planeswalker. Static ability is you may cast creature spells as though they had flash. Plus one until your next turn uh, up to one target creature gains vigilance and reach. Minus two. Uh, look at the top three cards of your library, uh, exile one face down, and put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. For as long as it remains exiled, you may look at th that card. You may look at that card, and you may cast it uh, as if it if it's a creature card. Yes. So that's that's the way of like maintaining the surprise since mm -hmm. the creature your creature spells have flash. It'd be kind of lame yeah. if you had to show them the creature you revealed. Right. So this is the weird templating that lets you like surprise them with the creature you got with Vivian. Yeah. Um, to me, this card does a lot of what the arc bow is trying to do, and it just does it like better. Against a control deck, you get to cast your threats on their end step. It gets the card back, potentially, mm -hmm. just the first turn it comes out instead yeah. of you being down a card. Right. Um, I'm really into this card. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the static ability is relevant. You know, giving your guys flash, a lot of things can take advantage of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, like, the plus one is whatever the plus one is mostly to um, like ramp up to minus two again right but it is worth worth noting though that in some scenarios the plus one does represent helping you protect your own planeswalkers like you know mm -hmm. it allows your creature to attack and defend the vivian uh, yeah which is pretty nice yeah the vigilance doesn't really help defend planeswalkers it mostly like lets your creature also attack if it was going to defend that's fair yeah, for yeah your it, planeswalkers. Yeah. But reach, yeah. reach is potentially a thing yeah for sure yeah, 267. Um, I mean, also, just, like, keep in mind that any three-mana anything is upgraded by the present. And in green, any three-mana green permanent is, like, upgraded by the presence of land or elves yeah. in the format. Yeah, absolutely. I think at 267, which is what this is at, this is a pretty easy buying three of for me. Sure. I, I, I like this card quite a bit. Um, so this last card, which I didn't put on the list, uh, but it is very weird is Nissa's Triumph. This is two green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to two basic forest cards. If you control a Nissa Planeswalker, instead search your library for up to three land cards. Reveal those cards, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. We did it. We assembled Tron. <laughs> it's, it's three Sylvan all it, all it required was having a Nissa Planeswalker. Yeah, I mean, this card is not good, but the, the gap between those two spell texts that it has is yeah. just so enormous right you can get two forests or two of anything and oh they go and they go on the battlefield three three of three <laughs> yeah well they, they go to your hand they don't go to the battlefield oh, they don't they go to your hand oh okay. you still gotta play them okay if, if they went to the battlefield this would be something that'd be like trying to pull off and something like even in modern i'd be trying for like three mana nissa nissa's triumph you need a nissa planeswalker i don't know yeah no this card is atrocious yeah but uh it's fun though it is sweet yeah. sweet design all right, looks like I spent about 20 bucks on green cards. That could go up pretty drastically if, you know, the first couple of days of it being on Arena make me think that I really want Finale of Devastation, um, which is very possible. But I feel like it's probably overrated right now because people are looking at it for Eternal Formats where I don't think it's very playable at all. Right, so... So I, I don't want to be buying in when that's a perspective people are taking on it. All right. So on to the multicolored cards. Uh, I wasn't able to eliminate most of these. Pretty much all, all of the multicolored cards made my list of potentially playable. Yeah. Uh, so even though this is only technically a Ravnica set, the Ravnica parts are bleeding through. <laughs> Definitely. 
So we start with Ajani the Great Hearted. Two green white for a five loyalty planeswalker. Creatures you control have vigilance. Plus one, you gain three life. Minus two, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker you control. Yeah, I mean, a pretty strong anthem effect. Mm -hmm. Comes down, anthems your team. Yep. Gives them all vigilance. Yep. So, you know, you can be proactive and defensive for your planeswalkers. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this it's it's really cute how similar this is to a Johnny Goldmane yeah. from the original right. uh, cycle of Planeswalkers. Just, like, kind of a little bit better in most ways. Gains you an extra life, get, puts loyalty onto your Planeswalkers. Doesn't ultimate to win the game, but... But neither did but the neither original did Johnny. <laughs> yeah. played a guy that died to a removal spell. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, this card uh, it seems interesting. Uh, definitely worth trying out in the green-white token shells God, that already if exist. If there's anything I love, it's keeping track of a board with different tokens with plus one, plus one counters on them. Yes. That is that is what I'm into. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I think it could be really strong. Like, you know, we have yeah. we have a powerful tokens deck right now. Um, this, this could slot in pretty reasonably. Yeah. Uh, Vigilance keyword is a strong one. It's original Ajani was the reason that like black white tokens was a deck yeah. in, in the standard formats where that Johnny was legal because giving those guys vigilance was just so powerful and this being like a double anthem right like so you, you have just, just like just four one ones yeah all of a sudden you have four two twos and then next turn you're gonna have uh four three threes yeah and that you know that effect is very 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 strong yeah in my mind the one thing that's not great here is that this is, as far as Planeswalkers go, this is not very good against control decks. Like, sure. it does very little if you're not able to maintain a board at all. It yeah. doesn't, like, work towards any ultimate or card advantage or anything. It's actively very, very bad against control like, decks. Like, you just side it out against yeah. any control deck. Absolutely. Um, which is not the greatest place for a Planeswalker to be. I know that the later iterations of, like, Zakini's uh, green and white tokens list were running Quatleys. Yeah. But a big part of that was like Quatley gets you starts getting you card advantage against the control decks. And this just doesn't serve that role at all. Yeah. And it is really good against creature decks. How much trouble did the token decks really have with the creature decks? I don't know how much this is filling in. But this is just a lot of of power and toughness and vigilance and like three life a turn too against red decks is gonna really outpace their ability to kill you if you're blocking and stuff. So yeah. um this is probably pretty playable. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I think that it will see play at least only initially. Yeah, it is a very easy to like slot into an existing deck sort of thing. Yeah. They're $2 right now. I think that's a fine price for them. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to pick up any just because it like pretty specifically goes into green white tokens and that's a deck that I'm like pretty specifically going to be trying to avoid <laughs> playing. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So maybe you'll end up picking them up. If that deck turns out to be just like the, yeah, you know, one of the high tier standard decks. So, oh, one other thing too is that because it pumps in the form of plus one plus one counters, it's really good with Growth Chamber Guardian and uh, True. Incubation Druid. True, absolutely. So, that's a synergy that might put it into a deck that I'm actually like interested in playing. That's fair. That's fair. Next up, we've got Angrath's Rampage. This is black red for a sorcery. Choose one. Target player sacrifices an artifact, target player sacrifices a creature, or target player sacrifices a planeswalker. It's a targeted edict, which mm -hmm. can be nice. 
I think that the the best part of this card, and honestly the most often played part of this card, is going to be the third option. Yep. Target player. Especially in standard. Yeah. Target player sacrifices a planeswalker. Yep. Is pretty much just a removal spell for a planeswalker. Right. I, I know that people are putting a lot more planeswalkers in their deck potentially with this new set, but being able to make somebody sacrifice their pl- a planeswalker is uh, pretty strong. Yeah, especially if it's one of the planeswalkers, like the older design category planeswalkers if it's a teferi if it's a uh nicole bullis dragon good god planeswalker yeah, right? <laughs> quote unquote good planeswalker right yeah and if you're honestly if you're casting this in constructed mm-hmm. you're gonna hit a good planeswalker yeah it, it's just guaranteed yep. so um and then it's just like pretty much never dead um yeah the the actual edict of creature might be bad in a lot of situations but like you know against a green a tokens deck or something like that they're almost certainly going to be backing those creatures up with a planeswalker or two so. yeah get there a johnny yeah you know after it puts plus one plus one counters on all the go uh, it wasn't great but you gotta prevent the next wave you know you gotta do something i'm honestly more interested in this in eternal formats potentially okay just it provides a category of flexibility that can be hard to find sure. um, in modern and legacy one of the reasons that like Liliana the Last Hope has found a lot of traction is because it is a powerful three mana threat that threatens to win the game that doesn't die to Swords to Plowshares and doesn't die to Pyroblast. Yeah. Um, this is a card that answers cards like that that have like snuck in between the highly played removal spells. So I'm sure that this will find some amount of application in older formats, just because no other card says target player sacrifices a Planeswalker. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or the, the other ones that do is Planeswalker or Creature. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So it, the opponent getting to decide in that scenario is much different than you got to sacrifice a Planeswalker. Right. Plus none of those cards cost two mana. So Right. Yeah, that's that's, that's a big deal. Um, I don't see you playing, like, a ton of these. I mean, it's potentially possible that given a weird format shakeup, you're playing a black-red deck that just goes all in on these. But 80 cents, this does something that other cards just don't do. I'm pretty happy to get two of these. Yeah. All right, next we've got Ashiok Dream Render. This is one and two hybrid blue-black mana, so three mana total, for a five-loyalty Planeswalker. Spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause their controller to search their library. Minus one, target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, then exile each opponent's graveyard. This card is crazy to me. <laughs> they printed this card? Is my kind of initial reaction. Excuse me? <laughs> okay, so let's see what we have. We have repeated uh, graveyard hate on mm-hmm. a stick. Um, this, you know, uh, and we have... Uh, complete lockout of let's go over the list fetch lands you know <laughs> all of valakut <laughs> just every card in valakut yeah just every card in valakut it's also um, actually pretty hard for for amulet to get going if this is in play you can't ab- absolutely you can't titan yeah. you can't telaria west mm-hmm. um i think it's summoners pact yeah i think this card will see play in the sideboard of modern decks mm-hmm. it just hits so much yeah uh, you know, it hits Amulet, it hits Dredge, it hits Valkyrie strategies, it hits just like Fetchlands. Yeah. This, you know, if you're if you're playing like a deck with Fetchlands in it, and your opponent just like plays this on turn three, you're, you'd probably like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know exactly, and it may be like a little too slow for fighting Dredge, but it might be a fine like 
you know, you have one in your sideboard and it's like fine against a bunch of different matchups, including as part of your dredge hate package, you can like lock them out after you like, yeah, they it only needs, get one turn of their it, graveyard each turn. Yeah. It needs help against dredge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need some other stuff. Right. But I, I can see it. Right. But it's better than just like casting another, like a creature or something like, like, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. And the fact that it just like comes down and just like locks out Malakut. Yeah. Like, you just don't minus it. You just keep it at five. Right. Like, <laughs> they have to draw two lightning bolts. <laughs> tag it with Sakura Tribe Elder. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And also, like, don't... The, like, that mana cost is really flexible. This is not a blue-black card. Yeah. You can put it in black decks, and you can put it in blue decks. Right. And especially, like, in decks where milling yourself helps, you know, this just also can advance your game plan after board. Like... If this ended up being part of what your sideboard package against several decks looks like you want it to be out of Phoenix, you just happen to get some free mills on yourself. That's fine. You know, it's not a huge thing. Sure. Um, This does not go in the modern mill deck, though. No. Because exiling the graveyard is actually terrible for you because Mm -hmm. you really rely on surgical extraction to keep them from doing stuff to you. And it's also just... (laughs) <laughs> turning off their fetch lands means you also can't archive trap them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this, like, turns off bummer. your deck in a bunch of weird ways. But I, I think that it would still see play in the sideboard of, of a modern mill deck. Maybe, yeah. I, I'm not going to pretend I actually know, like, how the, like, deck building philosophy of that <laughs> yeah. deck works. Right. Yeah, same. Um, But yeah, I, like, this just feels like it does stuff in modern never casting this in standard but it feels like it does stuff in modern i agree let's see i don't really need to pick any up probably yeah it's a buck 50 it's uncommon i think it only sees modern play i'm just i'm not gonna bother paying money for it right now yeah that's fair because kind of we'll see how it shakes out yeah yeah and it, it will like it'll see play yeah I, I believe next we've got cruel celebrant white black for one two vampire Whenever Cruel Celebrant or another creature or Planeswalker you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. We did it. We found the... We got a Blood Artist. We found the Blood Artist. Yep. Uh, it's white black, which is a little awkward because it feels like a lot of the good sacrifice cards were in red, mm-hmm. which was kind of strange. Yeah, I think I think that's probably pretty intentional to spread it out a little bit and say, if you really want all of the toys, you have to be three colors. Sure. Um, but three colors is doable in standard. It is doable, and I mean, people played Mardu Aristocrats decks in this past standard formats. Yeah, and I don't see a huge reason why we couldn't going forward. Finding the exact right composition is tough, but you know, if you have this and a Judith in play, mm-hmm. like each creature you sacrifice is like really doing work. Yeah. Also, if they like they see each other die, if they die at the same time, which is one of the f- kind of the only reason that. Mm-hmm. I lean, that I want to try Bantu in any deck sure. is because if you have a board with like a Cruel Celebrant and a Judith and a couple of creatures and you just Bantu, you just like drain life your opponent. Yeah. I'm probably going to wait around for the first Sam Black Brew. Yeah. See how it looks. <laughs> also, um, keep, keep in mind that any deck with Cruel Celebrant in it just cannot beat Cry of the Carnarium. Oh, You yeah. just lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your your deck is going to be full of cards that are just gone to that card. <laughs> yeah. And that's a bummer. It's, it's a pretty big bummer. Especially if you have like a Gutter Bones out and you just don't even get to rebuild with your Gutter Bones. It's a bummer. Ugh. All right. 17 cents. All right. 20 cents if I'm just going to get four from the same seller. Let's just do it. It's fine. I don't know if I'm ever going to use this, but... That's cheap enough. Spending less than a dollar to get a set of these is totally fine with me. Sure. 
Next we've got Death Sprout. This is one black black green for an instant, destroy target creature, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Um, with some just like Seb McKinnon knocking it out of the park, just like he does on every single card. It's yes. pretty unbelievable. Yeah, looks great. And this card is, uh, it's, this card is cool. Yeah. I, it's kind of hard to evaluate, but it's really nice to get that two for one in that you get to, you know, kill your opponent's creature and ramp yourself a little bit. That mm -hmm. that ramping, even from four, is relevant. Yeah. You know, uh, it just means that you're going to double spell two relevant spells earlier. You got to be interested in both ramping and removing creatures. Um, and, you know, like, pure ramp decks really are not as interested. You want to go over the top of their stuff. You might want to, like, sweep their board at some point, but um, you're more interested in invalidating their stuff. Yeah, this feels like it really belongs in a mid-rangey black green. Deck. Yeah, I I think that this kind of honestly I would be happy to put one of these in my mm -hmm. just like black green mid-range deck. Yeah, maybe two if it if it really impresses me on like how well it plays out. Yeah, but I yeah I think that if I'm gonna be testing a black green shell, I'm just gonna start off just like. Having one in there and seeing how it feels when I draw it. I, I really just want to cast this on turn four and then cast uh, Liliana on turn five. Uh, that's the that dream. That just feels so... That's just that's so the perfect. Dream. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't totally count this as like part of your mana base because you just can't cast it against decks that are built like Esper from this past season. And that's a little... You know, it would be really nice if this were modal. Like, choose one or both. Destroy target creature. Ramping growth. Probably would be a little too good. Just too flexible always on as it is like it's got a high ceiling and like a pretty low floor yeah um, which is not great but most creature removal spells have a pretty low floor a big problem i have with it though is that it's sitting in like the vraska's contempt slot and i think vraska's contempt is pretty important and also helps patch you up in matchups where like you have to run some creature removal but you also sometimes get paired up against esper control yeah um right. and so that may make it really not feasible to run a card like this i still want to though yeah um and i kind of just like briefly want to compare it to just chupacabra mm -hmm. uh like ravenous chupacabra is it's a good two for one just because you get to kill a thing and then you have something left over yeah this is the same but that something left over just happens to be a land mm -hmm. which you know having having lands you know even your like eighth land or your ninth land yeah those are very relevant if you're having five and four mana cards in your deck yep so yeah. yeah, I like this card a lot. Cool. All right, 12 cents. Yeah, that's I will happily buy two of those for 12 cents. Sure. Next, we've got an interesting one. This is D-Spark. Uh, white, black, instant. Exile target permanent with converted mana cost four or greater. Mm -hmm. um, I know Zan was really impressed with this card. Yeah. He was talking about the other day. Yeah, we, we like this card a lot. Okay. It It's... It's a sideboard card, mm -hmm. pretty clearly, but right. it's a very strong sideboard card. Yeah. It hits a lot of relevant things in standard right now. Yeah, mono red, mono blue, and mono white exist now, and probably some iteration of those decks will exist. Yeah. So you cannot main deck this. Right. <laughs> but but against the decks that it does hit things in, mm -hmm. it kind of hits all of the relevant stuff that you want to hit. Yeah. It hit, like, even out of mono white, it hits Hot Conclave for Tribunal. True. And, uh, you know, it hits most of the the planeswalkers that you want to kill the good planeswalkers uh, right yeah it's most of the good planeswalkers it hits wilderness reclamation that's um, that is the one where like zan mentioned that and that yeah. like convinced me on this card right yeah it's um, just such a flexible sideboard card yeah 
Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Hitting Wilderness Reclamation, like, if that's your angle against the Reclamation decks, it's a very strong angle. Mm -hmm. So if you just, like, load up on things that just make sure that they never have a, a Reclamation that sticks, yeah. they're going to be floundering for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and especially if you're playing this in an aggressive shell, then you can really, you can really punish them that way. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think this card is a great sideboard card. It is, you know, being white-black is, like, pretty restrictive because... We don't build a lot of white-black decks that often in standard, it feels mm -hmm. like. But, I don't know, if you're splashing, if you're three colors, something... I, I think that it just has too many sideboard applications that if... Like, it is a reward for being able to pay the mana cost, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like this card a lot. I Honestly, I'd suggest just picking up a playset. Sure. Um, it might be true that we never really play more than, like, three... But, yeah, I mean, I was just going to put three because it seems like a three of kind of sideboard card, but at a quarter. But it, it might be a four of sideboard yeah. card. It might be just that good. Right. And I mean, in standard, that's a thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Like, we put four duresses in our sideboard because they're so good against the specific matchup and fix a thing. You yeah. can put four D-Sparks if you're like, I want to kill Niv-Mizzet and Wilderness Reclamation and Teferi. And yeah. that's like, in 70% of my matchups, I'm going to want to do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Easy pickup for me. Yeah. Next, we've got Domri, Anarch of Bolas. Mm -hmm. One, a red and a green for three loyalty planeswalker. Creatures you control get plus one, plus zero oh, is its uh, static ability. It's a good static ability. Yeah. Uh, plus one, add red or green. Creature spells you cast this turn can't be countered. And minus two, target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So this really wants to be your three drop in a green red monsters deck. Yeah. I think it's just going to be easily the best thing that you can be doing for three mana in that deck. Yeah. Um, adds mana. Once you put like a 4-4 four, or 5-5 five, five into play, there's just a removal spell on the minus two. Yep. Pumps your team. And and you can make that relevant in weird ways. You can make that relevant by having Cranko be the other three mana card in your deck. Or by having Siege Gang Commander be one of your fives. Which is like kind of less good with the minus two, but Siege Gang's still a pretty decent card. Yep. Like, if you have mana guys in your deck, giving making Llanowar Elves a 2-1 is, like, pretty relevant. Yeah. So, I I love this card, honestly. I, I think it's very strong. Absolutely. Yeah, one, 171. That's an easy playset for me, I think. Yep. You know, it is a 3-mana green Planeswalker. It asks you to cast it on turn 2 with Llanowar Elves, and every time you do that, I think you're going to be pretty happy with how the game goes from there. Yeah. Um, especially, like, that creature spells you cast this turn can't be countered clause on there. Just, like... You f you just get to put Rekindling Phoenix on the battlefield, <laughs> yeah. and then it's there, and it's they have to there. deal with it. <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. That's so good. Right. Yeah, I mean, I keep coming back to Rekindling Phoenix in a lot of these card evaluations, but... True, true. But I think it is going to matter a lot until it rotates out. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Next, we've got Domri's Ambush. This is red-green for a sorcery. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Then that creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. I think this is probably mostly worse than Thrash Threat. Thrash Threat is a little easier to cast. Gets put into more. Well, I guess you you rarely put Thrash into a Thrash Threat into a deck that can't cast Threat. But yeah, it's a little more flexible because if you draw it on an empty board or when you don't want to cast removal spells, it's a medium threat. The plus one plus one counter could be relevant if the sizing comes up to be exactly. Um, and this is also like 
if we end up playing like Naya Heroic or something like that, then this is kind of cool because like you could potentially use Fight this. Effects are generally pretty strong yeah. in Heroic decks. Like you can't just play pump spells. You want something else. Right. Um, like Defiant Strike counts because it draws you a card. Reckless Rage counts because it's a removal spell. Fight spells can do the same thing. You may be more interested in Thrash Threat and that sort of thing, but like putting the plus one plus one counter on the Arcanist so now it can always cast two mana spells from your graveyard as long as it's in play is like kind of neat. That's true. Because then it can just flash this back. Honestly, this card goes phenomenally with Arcanist because I, it seems like it. You know, you can deal two damage to a thing and then deal three damage to that thing when it attacks, and all of a sudden now it's a three three. That, um, that's true. Well, three six after all of that, or yeah, that's kind of like, that's really this card neat, goes actually phenomenally with that card. Absolutely, yeah, a lot better than Thrash Dart goes with that card for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, I I like that interaction actually. That that makes me higher on this card now that we. All right, yeah, nine cents. There's a chance. That like, I mean, there's a really good chance that this card never gets cast in a yeah. serious standard deck. Right. Like, let's let's not get that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um. But this this isn't a fight. This is a punch. Yeah. Um. That really helps it with interactions like that. If I'm building a Naya heroic deck, this is like a big impetus to do that. So I'm, I'm just in. gonna pick up a set just in case. The more we go through these other cards, the more I'm starting to get higher and higher on that one three trample yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, like there's ways to make it work right by playing like pr pretty reasonable cards in your deck i think so yeah even just defiant strike just like just you know do that and then worst case scenario is another defiant strike best case scenario is you get a hit of two yeah maybe i should buy them at five dollars who knows <laughs> i don't know it's, it's it feels a little yeah. spendy to me yeah agreed next up we've got dovin's veto this is white blue for an instant this spell can't be countered Counter target non-creature spell. Uncounterable negate. Yep. Very strong in control mirrors. Just going to make one. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, and what this is really good at is not, it's not any better than a negate really for protecting your stuff yeah. because they just recounter the original thing. Yeah, yeah. It's way better than negate in control mirrors for stopping their planeswalkers and stuff. Right. They just can't. Yeah, and I mean, Negate is already pretty good at that because they're at a mana disadvantage mm -hmm. when they're doing that. Yeah. But if you can spare the white mana, this is obviously just better than Negate in your deck. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. And it just feels so much like a veto. Yes. Know? It's just like We're the way done. that this plays. I'm going to veto that. I actually. will say I am a little disappointed it's not named Dovin's Ban, but... Fair. <laughs> I, I get it. But veto just works so well. It you does. Know? It yeah. is. It and it, yeah, it's super clean card. It's gonna affect magic for forever, really. Yeah, I, I think that this you know, it'll sneak into eternal formats every once in a while. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's eighty-four cents. I think it deserves to be at that point. Kinda don't really want to bother picking it up right now. Yeah. Um I feel like this is just it's a new thing. Once it hits saturation, it'll be cheaper. I don't really want to spend four bucks on this when I like I'm not super likely to be playing a blue-white deck anyways, and I have negates for the other decks. So, like, this is definitely a card I'm going to end up with, but just, like, $4 right now seems kind of silly. Yep, I can see that. Absolutely. Next, we've got Dreadhorde Butcher. Uh, Black-red for a 1-1 zombie warrior with haste. Whenever Dreadhorde Butcher deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, put a plus-one, plus-one counter on Dreadhorde Butcher. When Dreadhorde Butcher dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Yeah, so this is one of those, like, really high upside two drops. Yeah. Uh, where if it connects, all of a sudden it's 
just a really, really, really strong magic card. It really only needs to connect once mm-hmm. for it to absolutely fulfill what, what you put the yeah, mana into. And my favorite part about this card is that it just trades for a lot of with a lot of two drops. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just attack into a 2-2. And this is more like limited speak, I guess. Sure. But, but uh, we battle with creatures a lot in standard right now. Yeah, like for people sure. People will play a growth chamber guardian on turn two. Right, and, and you can just attack into it and it trades. And they have fine. to walk. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you're trading for their guy mm-hmm. and that's, you know, you're totally fine with that, I think. Yep. Goes incredibly well with Judith. Is any aggressive version of like the Sacrifice or Aristocrats deck, like this is one of the reasons to do that. I mean, I definitely... Like, black-red two-drops with abilities a lot of times just, for some reason, really don't get there, don't fulfill their promise. Yeah. But this one is one I have pretty high hopes for. And it also is much better. This is one of those aggressive two-drops that if I'm playing against mono-white, I'm actually just... You can just sit on it, and it's hard to attack through. So, yeah, sometimes it's going to just represent two of their guys. Yep. So that's always nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a card that if you play it, you're going to play four of it in your deck. So it's 225. I'm just going to pick them up. I don't, don't, Chris likes this card. I like this card. So he's going to pick them up. That's that's the <laughs> pretty much the long and short of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This one, we've got Enter the God Eternals. This is two blue, blue, black for a sorcery. Enter the God Eternals deals four damage to target creature. You gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. Target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, and you amass four. This card does a lot of That's things. a lot of text. Yeah, I've, I've seen this card compared to a couple of things. Oh, it, yeah, like it's a lot dragon. like a Glorybringer. Yeah. yeah, it feels a lot like a Glorybringer yeah. in, in a lot of contexts, where you cast it, and most of what it does on the turn it comes down is, uh, you know, kill their thing, yep. and then you end up with a body, which is nice. Yep. Um, and it feels even more like a glory bringer if you have other amass cards in your deck, because then it, you just get to get in. Yeah, you just yeah get in again, giving it haste there, and it's most impressive when you're a dreadhorde invasion deck. Uh, if your token is a two two and you have a dreadhorde invasion in play, you immediately become a six six. Get the lifelink when you attack. Yeah, and you just gained ten life off of this card. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of life. Yeah, um, it's a lot more triggers that you get to <laughs> yeah you get, you get to, to go through keep for getting. Your... Plus one, plus yeah, one. yeah. It's not nearly as exciting when it's like the seventh plus one plus one counter. No, <laughs> the sixth one is. Yeah, yeah. The sixth one's nice. Sixth one's nice, but the seventh one is just like uh, okay. I right. think in general, in most matchups where the life gain matters at all, if you hit with the six six, like yeah. you're in really good shape. Yeah. Even without like dreadhorde invasion, if you are have other amass stuff at all, like the, you know, we were talking about how it's hard to evaluate amass. You know, do you want to be putting it onto... Do you want it to be making a new army? Do you want to be putting it on a thing? I think once you get up to a mass four, you really are kind of hoping that you have a body to put it on so you get that haste effect on, on your four four that you're putting into play. Yeah. Um, just really ups the value. Here, this card, I think, you know, it just like fixes a lot of aggro matchups for the blue-black decks. Um, yeah. This is like a glory bringer, but it's also a sorcery, so you get to reveal it to Augur of Volus. Mm-hmm. You get, if you've got Search for Escanta in your deck, it fills up your graveyard for Search for Escanta. Right. Just as a bonus. And it really just does a lot. You can't run that many just expensive removal spells. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is a five minute removal spell. That's definitely not something that we can overlook. Right. And it also doesn't kill everything. 
It kills creatures with up to four toughness. Yes. And if we're cutting our Vrasses Contempts, and then our opponent, like, puts a Illarg the Rage Boar into play, and we're looking at this, which costs the same amount of mana. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good spot. Right. Yeah. It's not It's not always going to be good. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the place where it falls short of Glorybringer is, like, against control decks, you weren't boarding out your Glorybringers. Yeah. It's still, it still just a 4-4 four, four four haste. Yeah. Like, you still kill them with it. You can't cast this if there's not a target. Mm-hmm. That said, I think it really does a lot of work in Demir decks to just make aggressive matchups very winnable. Um, yeah. And if nothing else, like, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Even I think that, not... like, two in between the main and the side is, like, a, a good number. Yeah. I, I mean, card. I've definitely seen people, like, act, like, excitedly putting, like, three into their main deck and stuff, and I'm just not... I just don't know if that's a thing you can do. Yeah. I think it is a lot better in a deck that has Dreadhorde Invasion in it. Uh, you can also use it as more of a glory bringer if you have Dreadhorde Invasion in your deck because you can target the token with the damage and then put the plus one, plus one counters onto it. Oh, it'll it, just always live. And it'll always live. Yeah, that's so kind of neat. That makes me, you know, thinking about that, that makes me a little less reluctant to have this in my deck. But that kind of requires, like, I gotta be running a Dreadhorde Invasion yeah. version of it. And I'm just, I'm just not that excited about that. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Like, what are other amass options in the deck? Like, I mean, yeah. you know, if if you're really going deep on killing other creatures, we could play the black removal spell, minus two, minus two, mass yeah. two card. There's um, also the draw two cards, uh, and then a mass equal to the number of cards in your hand. Which is pretty good in the control matchups. That's the, fair. the uncounterable one. Yeah, and these are all like pretty good with with uh, Kefnet. So like that's that's definitely like a, a package that I've seen a lot of people building decks around, and so that's right. possible. Um, but one thing I would hate to have happen is to have my army out mm-hmm. and then target with this, and then have the army get killed in response. <laughs> that would be brutal. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's yeah. really not great. This spell. Well, okay, that actually doesn't matter. That's fine because this has two targets. Target player oh, target, puts a top it targets four the player. So they kill the thing in response, and you still get to a mass. Oh, yeah, and you still get up with four four no matter what. So yeah. that's okay. Never mind. Um, it's not but that bad. but if you do that, yeah, I mean, I th- I think this ends up playing reasonably well in a like yeah. even board states where you wouldn't think it would be great. So that's kind of nice. Uh, well, I just think that it's powerful enough in enough scenarios where in yeah. between the main and the sideboard, and that could just be like two sideboard, or yeah. it could be like one main one sideboard. I think that it it's definitely justifiable to pick up uh, two copies of this. And I'm going to just get, get I'm just going to completely ignore you and get the third Excellent. one. Excellent. That's I, fine. I think that a lot of my decks are going to be two in the main and and one in the side or okay. something like that. That's fair. Um and absolutely they come out in the control matchups, but it's so backbreaking if you kill a goblin chain whirler with this that yes. <laughs> I just want to have access to that. No, I I mean definitely a powerful card for sure. All right, next up we've got Feather the Redeemed. Mm-hmm. This is red, white, white, 3-4, Legendary Angel with flying. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So this is kind of the heart and soul of that heroic deck. Yeah. Uh, it works It works with Jumpstart. It works with Dreadhorde Arcanist. If you exile the card to cast it, it exiles it with Feather, and you get it back at end of turn. That's awesome. Um, the fact that it works, you don't have to target Feather with the pump spell to get it. If you tar- if you pump any creature, you get it back. 
Right. So that provides some security there because, like, Feather is probably your most valuable creature. So if they're trying to, like, two-for-one you or whatever, they don't get your Feather at least. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if the Heroic deck exists, it's because this card is good enough. Mm-hmm. And this card, you know, it's very strong in a vacuum, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, the ability that it offers is unique and powerful. Yeah. So, but because it's unique, we have to, you know... We're, there's going to be some brewing that we're going to have to do. And I'm definitely going to be brewing some decks with this. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. $4. I guess I probably, if I didn't buy Dreadhorde Organist, I probably can't justify I don't, buying I don't this think card. that $4 is a good pre-order price for yeah. this card. Um, it's just too likely that it never sees any play. Yeah. But, you know, if the brews work out, then we'll have to get some. Yep, it's true. And probably, you know, if this is like the week one deck, you know how like... Kaladesh came out, and then, like, red-white vehicles was the week one deck. Yeah. Like, if this is the week one deck, then these feathers are going to be $8. So. Yeah. But that's all right. Right. That'll just be a thing that happens then. Yeah. Next up, we've got Gleaming Overseer, and a card that I initially completely overlooked. Okay. And then I saw multiple people talking about it, and then I saw multiple people saying things about it that wildly <laughs> inaccurate. Yeah. One a blue and a black for one four. When it enters the battlefield, amass one. Zombie tokens you control have hexproof and menace. Yeah. I, I think this is pretty good because it's two five or the stats across two bodies. Like one is a one four, so it's pretty solid at blocking whatever aggressive stuff your opponent is doing. And, yeah. and you get a chump and maybe this ability is useful because once you have like a four four or five five zombie into play giving it Hexproof and Menace is actually really good. Yeah. I saw somebody, and I don't remember who, say, get ready for Gleaming Overseer. This is, like, the second coming of Warlord Virtuoso. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. <laughs> like, Warlord Virtuoso regularly made five tokens. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think this card is strong. You know, offering two bodies for three mana, the bodies are reasonably sized and or have other, yeah. um, you know, relevant text. It's not exciting. It's it, But it's, right, it's it's not exciting. No. It, this is like a role player that yeah. you have in your deck. It's like you play it because you just needed that effect or some element of, you know, right. what this card offers is what you were looking for. Right. But, you know... Uh, I I would not at all be surprised if this is just like one of the pushed uncommons that they printed that makes it into standard somehow. Yeah, yeah. Like it looks like it's mostly designed for limited, but it's just enough body and enough synergy that that it can be the right thing for a job. Nine cents, uncommon. Yeah, I'll just pick up two of these. That seems fine. Like it's at least a, a solid sideboard card. You know, like... Like PNLR was a great side, great card for like the red mirrors because yeah. those two bodies are so important and that yeah. sort of thing. And and this is this a card good is going to be way card. way better against red. Yeah. So. And honestly, like for pre-ordering, like this is one of the main kinds of cards that I think is important to pre-order because like finding this day of at like a PTQ at a store that you don't know like is a giant pain. So if I were you, I I probably just even get a set. To yeah. Be honest. There's um, no reason not to do that, right? Yeah. It's only nine cents, and there is a chance that you end up playing a deck that just plays, wants plays a it set real bad. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I like. I could totally see this just being like the three dot slot for a for yeah. a deck. That's that's totally possible. And it's, yeah, if we're just trying to like ramp up our like dreadhorde invasion token and make it as gross as possible, then yeah. this is probably part. Well, of let's it. give it menace and hexproof. Well, and and so the 
one of the funny things is the way they designed the limited format, there's no claustrophobia effect or pacifism effect, mm-hmm. specifically because if you get that onto their zombie army, then all of their mass cards just kind of don't do anything anymore. <laughs> nice. Um, Standard has some of those. Yeah, absolutely. Like Sky Tether in particular. Mm-hmm. So if making a zombie army is a thing, then we just start sideboarding some Sky Tethers. And if you put that on their army, then that's really bad. <laughs> yeah. So this like this hexproof clause might be might be pretty decent. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next up, we've got Heartwarming Redemption. This is two red and a white for an instant. Discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards plus one. You gain life equal to the number of cards in your hand. So I misparsed this when I read it the first time, and I thought it actually like put you up a card. Kind it, of. It's even on cards. Because like, yeah. you trade this for a card and the rest of the cards in your hand for yeah. a card. Um, it's one of those cool cards that you can cast and then just put your entire hand on the, on the <laughs> table, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, like this many. Yes. <laughs> Cash um, them in. Right. Yeah, wheels are good when you're doing broken things with them. And you're never going to go up in cards with this. Mm-hmm. So... I don't think it's that good. The only place I was kind of thinking of it is in like a Jeskai control deck, probably with Niv-Mizzet, where you can trade in the cards that are bad in a matchup. And like, even in an aggressive matchup, you can use this to dig towards a Wrath because you're probably negating most of their attack that turn based on gaining four or five life or something like that. I guess gaining five life is like pretty ambitious, but... Uh, I mean, I guess if you have four other cards in your hand, you cast this, then you gain, you you end up gaining five life. So that's not True. impossible. But yeah, I think this is just probably not going to find a, a, a place. This probably just doesn't get cast. Yeah. Um, I'd be very surprised if people put this in their constructed yeah. decks. Me too. Back when I thought that it was like an inspiration and also did this stuff effectively. Yeah. Then, I mean, then it would be insane. Then, yeah. Then we're talking. But, sure. but that's not how it works. Next up is Huatli's Raptor. This is green-white for a 2-3 Vigilance. When Huatli's Raptor enters the battlefield, proliferate. It's, yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, this is one of the better cards that has proliferate text on it that yeah. I've seen. You're getting a lot of body in addition to that proliferate. 2-3 Vigilance for 2 mana is strong. Yeah. Like, that's just good on rate in standard, mm-hmm. in my mind. So, so I like that part of it. And yeah. then, you know, assuming that you're playing, you know, plus 1, plus 1 counters around... I mean, uh, having a really hard time visualizing the deck that this goes into. I guess it's you're you've got a Johnny in it. Obviously, you're some sort of go wide deck with a bunch of tokens. Yeah, you're probably playing tokens, be, and and the idea is that like this card is good early and late, mm-hmm. right? Early, it's a two three vigilance yeah. for two. Um, late, it could anthem your team yeah. when it comes down, yeah. which is pretty great. So, so this card probably doesn't do. I, I just don't know if the deck for it will ever exist. But at ten cents and not having to worry about picking it up if yeah. I ever need it, I'm, I'm just I'm gonna go ahead. Next we've got Kiora Behemoth Beckoner. This is two and a hybrid green blue mana for seven loyalty. Planeswalker. Whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card and minus one untap target permanent. Um. Yeah, this one's interesting. I mean, uh, it feels just pretty much the same as like the other enchantments mm-hmm. that have this text where, you know, you're playing creatures with power four or greater, you get to draw a card. It's 
fine. Yeah. Um, it's typically not what you want. I think that this is mostly a limited card. Yeah. I mean, she does add a mana, which is a pretty big difference yeah. between her and those cards. Uh, kind of the, the only reason that I like her is visualize this turn four or five. I'm ready. Where you cast Gilded Lotus, cast her, oh. minus to untap the Gilded Lotus, and she didn't even cost you mana that uh-huh, turn. Uh-huh. But this does involve casting Gilded Lotus, which is like, you're in pretty good shape. Right. Anyways, and then you tap Gilded Lotus for your four power creature. Some three mana, four power, you know, Steel Leaf Champion. Draw Boom, a card. Did it. Easy. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. But like, and then if you ever do untap with Gilded Lotus and Kiora, like you do have just infinite mana at that point. This is also true. But now we're, we've moved up from limited to cube. Yeah, this is really, <laughs> this is a solid cube situation yeah, we've yeah, constructed yeah. here. Right. So yeah, I, at a dollar right now, I'm not no. going to invest in this card. But it is pretty cool, has some potential. If you have good enough things to untap, that minus one can get very powerful. The yeah. floor is make a mana, the ceiling right. is... Yeah, I would love to see this card in some sort of shell that includes some, like, tap abilities that you want to reproduce over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, so, like, with Vanifar or something. Yeah. If you I untap think... with Vanifar and, like, cast Kiora, tap Vanifar to get a four-power guy, draw a card, untap Vanifar, get another four-power guy, draw another card. Yeah. Like, that's extremely good. Yeah, agreed. So she may be a, a, a key piece of a deck like that, but that's all going to take some brewing that I'm if it happens then I'll pick some of this up yeah that's fair uh next is Neoform which wow that is surprising that it's that much cheaper than Kiora right uh this is green blue for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast this spell sacrifice a creature search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creatures converted mana cost put that card onto the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it then shuffle your library has a lot of potential as a tutor thing. Yeah, I mean, and I think that I actually have high hopes for this card in Modern. So I think that this is certainly worth having a play set up. Yeah, at, at 30 cents, Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, I'd like to try to do things with this card. Getting stuff, like, if you can get turn a one drop into a plus one plus one counter enabled incubation druid, then you're up, you're able to just have a ton of mana on your turn three. Right. You know, you are risking some things and you may not want to go for that in some matchups but the payoff can be really huge yeah and then just it gives you a lot of flexibility with tutoring and stuff like that if there is a vanifar deck i think neoform is a more important part of that deck than kiora behemoth behemoth beckoner is yeah absolutely so for sure (laughs) um yeah i definitely i I think that people are going to be trying this out in modern i might try it out as well i think that you know having this and eldritch evolution could potentially unlock Mm-hmm. A, a good amount of consistency which is nice yeah so yeah and then the fact that you can get this back with eternal witness when you really want to start going up the chain right that that's pretty important mm-hmm. all right next we've got the most impressive card mm-hmm. the most boringly designed card mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh nicole bolus dragon god blue black 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 red four loyalty planeswalker bolus has all loyalty abilities of all other planeswalkers on the battlefield. Plus one, you draw a card. Each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Minus three, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Minus eight, each opponent 
who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. These no- these loyalty numbers are identical to Teferi's and <laughs> yeah. honestly like are just kind of like color shifted slightly color shifted versions of those abilities. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean design-wise kind of boring. Yep. Power-wise very strong. I mean the the coolness is supposed to come from that static ability. Yeah. But just what the only time I can ever see using another planeswalker's ability is if your opponent has a planeswalker with like a good plus like that pluses for two or something like that and we've already minus this nicole bolus on something and we're trying to ramp up faster yeah. so we can minus again right but yeah. like if they have a planeswalker you're killing it the vast majority of the time <laughs> yeah. yeah you getting to use their plus is just never really going to be as good yeah. as getting it off of the board but yeah i mean this card's really strong uh, i think that it will see standard play yep not particularly close i mean i am a little hesitant I, about it because it requires you be in exactly Grixis. You know, you true. can't even really put it in like a four weird four color deck because it requires triple black. That's all, yeah. Like you need to be in specifically Grixis. And I think Grixis got a ton of tools. Augur Bolus is really big for it. Maybe even Gleaming Overseer is important to help it like not get run over. Um, you may want to be playing a mass stuff. Like Grixis is a lot better than it was. Yeah. And one one cool play pattern that I've heard talked about with this is you can just go on like a heavy resource denial plan. Um, if you go like thought erasure on turn two, uh, turn three like some removal spell or some another discard spell or anything. Mm-hmm. Turn four you play Nicole Bolas the creature, make them discard a card, and then turn five this plus one, like that eats a two permanent. one. Yeah, and the fewer resources they have when you plus, the more backbreaking that is yep. so if you've been making them discard cards then it can get really really dirty really fast no absolutely um and i, I do think that the grixis decks will take that avenue of yeah. just really trying to grind their opponents into dust but like maybe like maybe even more proactively than normal yeah. you know uh, which is kind of cool yeah so that's a pretty you know i this card will definitely see play mm-hmm. it will probably be the reason that these grixis decks exist yeah agreed I'm not going to buy them at $25, though. No. It fits I, into one deck and... Right. I don't think that this is a good pre-order card um, because it's, like, it's not, you know, you're not super likely to end up... In exactly play- Grixis. In exactly Grixis. Yeah. So we'll see. It will certainly see plenty of play. Right. But in really, like, two versions of one deck, probably, is, is yeah. what it's going to boil down to. And, honestly, I think Teferi is just a more powerful magic card. Um, interesting thought experiment, though. What would be the price at which you would buy a couple of these? Pre-order it. If it, if they were around like 16 to 18 or something like that okay. around then, I'd probably feel like, okay, I'm going to get my money worth out of this. It, should, it will likely go up from here. Yeah. This seems like the price that it's likely to stay at for a while yeah, in standard. Yeah, yeah. And then that's how I feel. Dip down probably. Right. Um. And just because of the fact that it's three mana and it can only ever go into one deck, it that's, just means that's that the, the demand is so low right. that I don't think it's ever really going to go over $25. If we were doing this and we saw Teferi for the first time yeah. and we evaluated it the way we evaluated Teferi in our set review for Dominaria, yeah. uh, and I think, I don't remember what Teferi was pre-ordering at, but I would absolutely pre-order Teferi at $25 yeah. Yeah. because it's it costs three blue-white. Right. And that's very castable you know that those color combinations are looking for exactly this card right (laughs) right um and teferi's just untapping two lands is so freaking broken (laughs) yeah (laughs) whoops (laughs) um yeah so 
Yep. Um, but yeah. So next we've got Niv Mizzet Reborn. Says Wooberg. Mm-hmm. A good old Wooberg spell. <laughs> this makes Love me it. a little sad. Like yeah. Niv Mizzet's entire point is that he's blue red. And does blue red stuff. Yeah. He draws cards and does damage. No, but this is Niv Mizzet Reborn. Niv Mizzet Reborn. Uh-huh. I feel like they've destroyed this character. Niv Mizzet died. Yep. And then this guy was created. Yeah. We had his head or something. We made mana with it. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> we'll, we'll see his head in a second. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah. So Wooberg for a 6-6 legendary dragon avatar with flying. When Niv Mizzet Reborn enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you can't cast this. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yep. You can't cast it ever. I'm I'm never really going to find out exactly what the ability does. <laughs> because not I'm kind of too lazy to f- like really parse through it and understand it right now. And I'm never going to resolve the spell. No. I mean, it's just... You look at the top ten cards, and for each guild, you can get a guild card, basically. Sure. That's, that's what it is. Also, on top of that, do you get to get two blue cards... Or one, like... No, no, no. Each monocolor card? They have to be multicolor. But they have to be multicolor. It has to be exactly that color. Pair. Okay. So you get a blue-white card, a blue-black card, oh. a blue-green card. What if you, you have, like... down the list. What if you have a, a triple-colored card? That doesn't work. It has to be... For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. So you can never get a... For each color pair. Yeah. So you can never get a Nicole Bolas with this so card. So confusingly worded. Yeah. I, when, it, when I read pair, I was like, okay... You get to, like, sort through these cards and pick up, like, you know, uh, two cards that match in color. Ah. And then, and then you know. No, so I think the flavor is he's, like, harnessing the power of Ravnica and the guilds. So you get an Azorius card that has to be a pure Azorius card. You get a Boros card that has to okay. be a Boros card. Yeah. The, um, I'm, like, pretty good at understanding what magic cards But do. this one is I tough. had <laughs> no clue. I was so wrong <laughs> on my first read. Um, yeah, I mean, this card is pretty unplayable. Yeah. The one thing that's kind of cool is that's not a cast trigger. That's an enters the battlefield trigger. Yeah. So, you know, you can put it into play with Illard the Rage Board. Oh, uh, okay, now we're um, talking. But what is actually kind of neat is, depending on the construction of your Vanifar deck, mm-hmm. like, if you have, like several different two color cards yeah maybe we're gonna have some, some cards or something like that like if this is a five that you vanifar into and draw two two cards off of right and then you vanifar it away for a, a six or something like that like that right. that is okay. enough value all right i'm hearing you but you do have to construct your deck in such a way that like when you draw this you have a decent chance of casting it um so you have to have lots of like add mana of any color guys and stuff like that so that's kind of hard it could just be a one of that is a brick if you draw i think it's a one of that yeah exactly a standard vanifar we're gonna make it happen yeah um i mean it's it's very cheap for what it is it is 244 i'm not i'm just not gonna it even even given that dream i'm not even gonna, <laughs> not even gonna do the that one dream of. wasn't worth 250 yeah <laughs> yeah so sad next is oath of kaya this is one, a white and a black for a legendary enchantment. When Oath of Kaya enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to any target and you gain three life. Whenever an opponent attacks a planeswalker you control with one or more creatures, Oath of Kaya deals two damage to that player and you gain two life. This card is interesting to me. So it kind of reads as like three mana deal three, three mana helix. Yeah, it's mostly um, right, like a sorcery speed essence extraction. Right, um, which... 
is reasonable in some decks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at least out of the sideboard, yeah. in my mind. You know, and then if, you, if you're planning on playing a reasonable number of Planeswalkers, you know, that's just added upside to... To that it's not it's not huge I don't, I don't really think that the second text is really yeah. ever going to be relevant this makes it like kind of awkward for an aggressive deck to take out your creature take out your planeswalkers by aiming a couple of right. creatures at them yeah it, it makes it worse for them it's like yeah it's like fine yeah it's right fine. but it's just not you know it's it wouldn't it would never be the reason that you're playing this card i mean it's essence extraction that you have to be playing black and white to cast and it's a there's, sorcery there's mortify in this yeah set. and so that's my big problem is that we have mortify and you want mortify against the red decks because they have experimental frenzy yeah 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 maybe if they stop running experimental frenzy and are running like a red planeswalker instead or something like that then this might be kind of preferable but mortify is just so flexible and good i think this card is fine and we'll probably see some play um, it's a dollar, which is not like particularly expensive, but I just don't really feel like picking it up right now. I don't think that this card is worth a dollar. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a 25 cent rare yep. in no time. Yep. And you'll just sometimes every once in a while, it'll be the removal spell that you want. Sure. But not that often. Yep. Agreed. Next is Pledge of Unity. This is one, a green and a white for an instant. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. You gain one life for each creature you control. This card's fine. I just don't... I think this is a strong limited card. Yeah. That's that's how gonna, I'm going to evaluate this card. Strong limited card. Pretty happy to open it. Mm -hmm. Probably mostly worse than Unbreakable Formation for yeah. this sort of effect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unless that life gain is really important. Because that's, uh, that's the only thing it provides. Or, sure. or if for some reason you really want the plus one plus one counter at instant speed. But I want it before combat on my turn, so... Yeah, I'm sure... You know, and I also want to give my guys indestructible. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's and and vigilance. keywords that yeah. we're forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like pretty significant. In the creature matchups, just like that unbreakable formation text is right. really good. Yeah. So probably you just want that over this. Yeah. So not gonna pick any of this up, but it could see play at some point if it's just exactly you you love the life gain for some reason in your green white token deck. Next we have Ral Storm Conduit. Two a blue and a red, four loyalty. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Ral Storm Conduit deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Plus two is scry one. Minus two, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So this card is terrible, except as like a way to oops your way into winning the game yes. with double explosion. It technically double has expansion. an infinite combo. <laughs> that infinite combo is not going to see play. So sad, Ral. I'm not... You'll be remembered. I'm not as certain that it will just not see play. I am certain that I don't want to pay $4 for this card right now. Uh, fair. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that some people might try this out on Arena a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they'll learn. But I don't know. I'm, yeah. It's just a very clunky card. Yeah. Like, the plus two is real bad, except for the fact that it adds two loyalty yeah. to Ral. Right. But minus two is, like fine but we never play fork like actual fork you know we play expansion exposure because it's so flexible yeah so yeah i yeah don't think it's very good triggered ability can sort of when you're not comboing off with it can sort of pressure life total or planeswalkers but overall just a very weak card right probably just not gonna not gonna have a lot of not impact. gonna bother 
But I guarantee you I'm going to die to this combo. <laughs> the infinite combo. Yeah. It'll happen on Arena. It'll certainly happen on yeah, Arena. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. All right. Well, next we've got Rel's Outburst. This is a two, a blue, and a red for an instant. Rel's Outburst deals three damage to any target. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the other two into your graveyard. This card is... I think it's strong. Mm-hmm. It, in my mind, it's just... It's so close. Yeah. It's so close. I think this needs to deal four. Uh, like, that's... Honestly. They just needed to change one thing about this card. And it could have been... Like, any of the numbers increased mm-hmm. or decreased in a, in a, in a good direction yeah. would have made this card good. If it was three mana, this card's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it deals four damage, I like this card in standard. If it looks at three cards... Yeah, then it's then, then it's pretty close. It's, it's a little closer, yeah. you know. For, um, I just I mean, people are so high on this. Yeah, I just I feel like you just lose so much tempo. It's four mana. Yeah, like it's what is four this? Mana. What does this kill? It only deals three. This kills two mana creatures. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're just you're getting behind like two mana on tempo to mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. And just like the the four mana removal spell slots in your deck are like very valuable. You need good right. cards in those slots. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all that. Um, I think this card's close. I yeah. don't. I don't think that it quite got there. The, again, the one place I can kind of see it is this is a fine card to cast on the turn that you cast your wilderness reclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if they have a creature in play, you would ra- that's like threatening you. You would rather cast this to hit the creature, get a card, than just cast Chemister's Insight some yeah. some amount of the time. But we do mostly have that ca- cast a spell on the turn. I cast Wilderness Reclamation covered by Chemister's Insight. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe this sees some play in that deck, but I think just as a general like card that you put into normal decks, it just costs too much for what it does. Blue-red face burn would be a scenario where I'd be like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm spending four mana, but I'm getting three damage to your face and another good card. Yeah. That, okay, like maybe. Okay. Yeah, if we're just if we're not going for speed, we're just right, going we're just for like going this for... inevitability sure. thing. But oof. Yeah. That, that archetype sounds like it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it does <laughs> sound like it sucks. Yeah. Uh, I have seen this uh, I saw I think a Jerry T brew with like Hero Precinct One and Sahili and this, you know, if you have a hero and a Sahili in play, this triggers both of them. All right. Uh, then, because we get two one ones, we're really not losing tempo casting this anymore. But I mean, yeah, at that point, it's phenomenal. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm just not not into it. Yeah. I don't want to play bad cards doing my other bad cards, but it's just really expensive. This one, honestly, I have no idea what to think of this card. All right. Well, this is Robolesque Apex Hybrid. Two green, green, blue, four, five, flying trample. It's a legendary creature, human mutant. When it enters the battlefield, put two plus one, plus one counters on another target creature you control. When it dies, proliferate, then proliferate again. Yeah. It's mostly a giant ball of stats. Yeah. Some of it flying and trample. It, it, it harkens back a lot to Verderous Gear Hulk and sort of That's fair. what it's doing to the game. Yeah. Right. But I think that it it's going to need Verder's Gearhulk levels of stats to be good, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that a lot of its stuff comes from when it dies is, like, you know, good in the sense that you, yeah. if your opponent kills it, then that's, like, a, a, a bonus for you. Mm-hmm. But in the sense that it's not actually going to add as much to the board immediately, right? 
I'm a little less high on it. I mean, the the flying and trample on the four five body like makes it something that they're more incentivized to kill. Yeah, because of it's going to be it's smashing big. their life total. It's big, um, absolutely. And so you, but yeah, you do want to be in a deck that probably gets more out of the proliferate than just the plus one plus one counters that he's adding. Yeah. What it is clearly good in is in a Vanifar deck because it gives you value coming in and going out. That's that's very true. Um, and especially if your Vanifar deck is taking advantage of stuff like Incubation Druid and Growth Chamber Guardian proliferating onto those guys. Like, you know, you get an extra trigger off of Growth Chamber Guardian. If you didn't have counters on your uh, Incubation Druid, then it comes down turns on your incubation druid into gilded lotus mode these are all things that it does yeah i don't know that it's worth like just as a ball of stats i think it is significantly worse than verterous gear hulk especially given the support gear hulk had in winding constrictor and walking ballista and i don't think anything working with hybrid like rises to the level of those synergies it's a cool card and will likely see some play but maybe just not in an actually good deck. Yeah, that's is, is kind of my feeling about it. That's fair. Yeah, I right. I just don't. I'm not sold that this card is going to see any play. Yeah, yeah. Three seventy. Just not going to pick them up. Yep. Agreed. Next card though. <laughs> Sahili Sublime Artificer. One and two hybrid blue red mana. So three total. Five loyalty. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. Minus two. Target artifact you control becomes a copy of another target artifact or creature you control until end of turn, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. Yep. Which is mainly going to be used for turning those servos into things. Right. Yeah. Um, what kind of things, though? It doesn't matter. We have a lot of servos. <laughs> we have a lot of servos. <laughs> yeah, right. This is... I mean, so for standard, I like this because it's a three mana young pyromancer effect. Yep. Also triggers off of artifacts for when that's relevant. Um, right. Very good with Mox Amber if that becomes playable. Mm -hmm. It's just being three mana instead of... We've got Murmuring Mystic as like a four mana, this type of effect. I think costing three mana is a huge difference. So it's not competing with Crackling Drake at that cost. And it works pretty well with Crackling Drake since if you have a servo in play when you cast your drake it you can get very large yeah you yeah. effectively give the drake haste which yeah. as we've seen is a really very very good thing yeah. to do absolutely and then it just like blocks for you uh i also think that this has potential in older formats i don't know maybe too slow for like legacy but like you play uh, a young pyromancer or a monastery mentor or something make a couple of tokens one sweeper undoes all of that. Right. This is a planeswalker. Yeah. It comes into play, makes a couple of tokens. They kill the tokens. You make a couple more tokens. Like even planeswalkers if they cast... are difficult to deal with. In, yeah. In eternal formats. Yeah. Uh, if, even if they cast a terminus or something, like yep. you still got your planeswalker to make tokens with. Yeah. No, I mean I think this card's strong. Yeah. Um, for sure. I do believe that it is currently overrated. There's an extraordinary amount of hype around this card. I. You're right. Um, there is. But I, you know, I think it's strong. I think it'll see play, but I'm just a little more skeptical, I think, than everybody else. Mm -hmm. I think that there are a lot of other, like, much more powerful things that you can be doing in standard, so that kind of makes me a little, a little less high on it. Yeah. Um, and my other kind of nitpicky thing that I have with this card is that it's 
very frequently going to do nothing when you play it for the first time. Right. And that can be very, very tough in certain matchups. Yeah, especially Um, because it is a Planeswalker, and if they just take advantage of that by killing it, then that's bad. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, it... I'm I'm a little less high on this card than most, I think, in my mind. But, you know, I think it's definitely solid, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the dream is, like, turn three, Sahili, Mox Amber, trigger, opt, trigger. Yeah. Like, yeah then you're pretty you're good. Absolutely. But I... I if... Mox Amber. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, we're close. We're closer than we've ever, yeah. ever been... To yeah. Mox Amber being playable. True. True. Um, I mean, we don't really want Sahili in the same deck as Fibblehip because <laughs> that that slot. As what card, sorry? Fibblehip. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that card of like low board impact card that replaces itself, in this deck, we want taken up by a non creature spell. Yeah. So we can't really run that. So that that reduces the value of Mox Amber in this sort of deck. And I, I just don't know how you put the deck together. Right. Yeah. Um so yeah, definitely probably overhyped right now. And I yeah. But I, I do think it's strong. And I would not be surprised at all if this ends up being like a four of in a tier one yeah. deck, you know. And it is, you know, it's a two dollar and fourteen cent uncommon. I I think I am overpaying for it. Yeah. But I want this card. Yeah. Like I want access to it. It goes into types of decks that I'm excited to build, and I think right. will be pretty powerful. Yeah. So I'm I'm just gonna pull the trigger. You're on an Izzet mage. Yeah. I I really do like this sort of stuff. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And I really. You know this this three mana slot in like the Phoenix and Drake's decks. I think this is the probably about the best thing you can be doing in there. Enigma Drake was always pretty, pretty medium. Yeah. Um, and and I think it fills a decent hole. So, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to do stuff with this card. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do think it's strong. I yeah. do think it's strong, for sure. Yeah. Um, next, we've got Solar Blaze. It says two, a red and a white for a sorcery. Each creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. It feels a lot like a four-mana wrath. It really does. Yeah. This card is 44 cents right now. Yeah. It's it's tough, right? Because the deck that you're playing this in is mm-hmm. going to be very unique, you know, and it's going to have to be its own archetype, I think, in my mind. Or, you know, you could slot it into, like, other traditional control shells, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Yep. But, um, the you know, I think that I would be interested in trying out... You know, I'm, I'm going to be building around this card, yeah. is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I would... There's a lot of red and white creatures that are good and survive this. Yeah. And if everybody else is playing other creatures that are good and don't survive this mm-hmm. then you can put yourself into a great spot exactly for sure um this this could be a really awesome week one deck mm-hmm. that you're the only one in the room playing yep um that could be fun yeah and if if they just think you're on some like weird maybe heroic like aggro deck yeah and they're just like all right well I'll play out my blockers and then you're just like i'm gonna three for one you know? <laughs> yeah that's probably game over um so. yeah the fact that aurelia the fact that Aurelia is like a four mana creature that attacks for four or more and just completely survives this yeah. is really good. Yeah. Aurelia also, I forgot to mention, is a very good combo with Cranko. If you ever manage to untap with Cranko, mm. pump it. Okay. All right. You're really on your way there. Cranko survives this. Cranko also survives this. Cranko's yeah. in this deck. I think Cranko's in this deck, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, well, some synergies there for sure. So at, you know, 45 cents. I'm just going to buy three of these. It seems like a fine thing to have around. Cranko, they play their blocker. 
they're prepared to just like you know eat your guy and and then the two on ones are gone. Mm-hmm. Boom, solar flare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Done. Okay. Like, if you get through for one attack with Cranko and then on like. You know, you get two attacks with Cranko is five tokens. Like, it's done way more than its job at that point. Right. So, any way you have of enabling that while not giving up value right. is really good. Yeah, I, I just think this card seems so underrated to me right now. Yeah. But, Nobody's talking about it, really. Yeah, and it just... Like, it, and that's just guy control was a deck not very long ago. Nobody talking about this card makes this card much better because if everybody's talking about this card, everybody's like, you know, okay, maybe we need to do something with right. our deck process or whatever. Yeah. But if nobody's, if it's just not on anybody's radar, and then you know everybody brings all of their, somebody plays like weak one green stompy. Yeah. And they're just they've got like a Llanowar elves and a Nullhide Ferox and a a. a <laughs> A Steel Leaf Champion in play. Yeah. And you've played a couple of guys. Right. And then you're just like, kill your board. <laughs> keep my guys. Phenomenal. Jeez. Yeah. So, yep. Next, we have Soren, Vengeful Bloodlord. Two, a white and a black. Four loyalty, legendary Planeswalker Soren. As long as it's your turn, creatures and Planeswalkers you control have lifelink. Plus two, Soren, the, Soren Vengeful Bloodlord deals one damage to target player or Planeswalker. And you gain one life because it has lifelink. Yep. Uh, minus X, return target creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a vampire in addition to its other types. This feels a lot like Whip of Erebos to me, I think. Kind of. I mean, it you know, it works in different ways. Giving your whole team lifelink is pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, And then it just... The combination of the fact that its plus ability is plus two loyalty, and then it's minus one, like, it threatens to really keep cycling guys out of your graveyard and back right. into play. Yeah. The fact that... It, yeah, right, exactly. The plus two is very relevant and helps this card out a lot. Yeah. And I think that having this as, like, kind of like a pseudo-engine is fine, but the fact that you can only do it every other turn yeah. feels kind of weird and wonky to me. Um, and I, I'm definitely not quite picturing exactly which creatures we're trying to, like, recycle with this and get a lot of value out yeah. of. I, I don't know if... I mean... Maybe this goes pretty well in, like, a more black-white value-oriented aristocrats token kind of deck. I could see it, um, for sure. Because even if you're just, like, you know, slamming this as, like, a a powerful thing that does something and then getting back, like, one of your de- guys that died and gave you another guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, I could I could see it, for sure. Problem is that I just, I, I, I'm having trouble picturing just, like, the shells. I, I agree. I think it's mostly... Decks that have Cruel Celebrant will strongly consider running Soren. Yeah. If you've got, like, Priest of the Forgotten Gods and Cruel Celebrant, uh, Soren, like, can buy you some life. It's kind of obnoxious that it only gives lifelink on your turn. Mm-hmm. So, like, blocking with your throwaway creatures doesn't give you extra life. Yeah. Um, which you, which would be really nice to get out of them. That's That's one of the things that made Whip so powerful as you were like almost unkillable if you had guys <laughs> yes. and whip in play no the, the lifelink is i mean i am reasonably high on this card's playability mm-hmm. in that type of deck that said it's three dollars and 18 cents i don't really want to pick these up right now reasonable not, not for that amount yep um it's just not the kind of planeswalker that i'm visualizing in decks that like i 
think are very powerful. Right. You know, like Sarkin at this cost, at, at, at this dollar amount, like makes a lot of sense to me because I'm visualizing the almost the full 75 that I'm putting it into. Yeah. I'm just not with Soren. Next, we have one that just did not make my list until I saw like infinite people talking about this card. Okay. Um, this is Soul Diviner, blue black for a 2 3 zombie wizard. Tap, remove a counter from an artifact, creature, land, or planeswalker you control. Draw a card. The, so the body's on rate. Yeah. It's, it's a, a 2 3 for. Yeah. If you're getting attacked, you're fine casting this on yeah. turn two. Yeah. Pretty happy even yeah. to cast this on turn two. Um, and then, you know, just with the ability to later on. Grab one of those excess loyalty counters on one of your planeswalkers potentially mm -hmm. to draw a card. That's worth. Yeah. It also. So we're going to talk about Blast Zone later. If Blast Zone is playable, like that comes in with a counter on it. Yeah. And you can pretty easily add counters to it for right. some mana. Mm -hmm. So that may be a way, you know, in you'd have to be straight blue black. You certainly couldn't be any more colors than that. Right. But that may be a way of just like creating a value engine. It also kind of works with a mass. True. Uh, yeah. I think it works actually pretty well with a mass. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of build your own, like, Dark Confidant if you have this and a Dreadhorde invasion, True. I guess. True. That, yeah. That's not bad. That's not terrible. It all requires some work, but it's a cheap card. Like, it's a cheap creature that you're totally fine with in aggressive matchups and then maybe... If you can turn it into a value engine and grindy stuff, mm -hmm. then that means that this card is pretty good regardless of matchup, which is great for a two drop. So yeah, mm. there. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot of maybes. I don't know. I if it has a shell that is already good that yeah. happens to slot into well, mm -hmm. it'll see play. Yeah, nobody's gonna build a deck around this card. Well, sorry. I don't think building a deck. It's not on this a card successful strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. This isn't a this isn't a powerful enough card to justify building around. Yeah, I think that's probably it's, true. It's, yeah, it's more of a support card, and if it ends up seeing play in standard, which it could, yeah, it means that there is a powerful blue black deck that happened to have excess counters floating around. Yeah, that honestly doesn't seem that unlikely to me. No, no, not at all. And I mean that blue black deck probably mostly wants augers of bolus at the two drop slot. So that might push this out some. Potentially. But yeah. I don't know. I just have I can absolutely see this card just never being good. Just being one of those complete misses. Yeah, absolutely. Um But it could also just be pretty important. Uh and like drawing a card every turn or every other turn on a two mana guy like this is is worth worth giving a shot to. They're seventy five cents I will spend $3 on these things and could easily be wrong, but that's what we've done today. <laughs> that's fair. Next is Storev, Devkaren Lich. This is one black black and a green for a 5-4 trample. Whenever a Storev, Devkaren Lich deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, return to your hand target creature or planeswalker card in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat. This feels like a worse version of Neheb, which was one color and yeah. we were pretty unsure of. Yeah. So, right. You know, like, Go Very Fine Broker doesn't really see play anymore, and it does this when it comes into play with more flexibility. Yeah. Not not excited about this card. Nah. I don't, I don't think he'll see play. I'm not really into it. Tamio, Collector of Tales. Two, a blue and a green. Five loyalty, legendary planeswalker Tamio. Spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause you to discard cards or sacrifice permanents. 
Plus one, choose a non-land card name, then reveal the top four cards of your library, put all cards with the chosen card name from among them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Minus three, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. This is a this is an interesting one. Yeah. Um, the plus one feels so strange to me. You name a non-land card first, and then you reveal the top four. You get to, you know, you get you get to have the upside of spiking multiple copies, which is nice. Right. But, and you also start filling your graveyard for yeah, minus three. Right. I think in order for this card to be relevant, you it needs to be a graveyard matters strategy. Mm-hmm. So I could see I could see some number of Tamios seeing play in some like weird salt eye deck. I I mean the main place I see this is certainly in a Simic Nexus deck. In the Nexus deck. Yeah. Oh sure. So you get just... to like recycle your fogs. Your fogs protect her because she doesn't protect herself at all. Mm-hmm. But your fogs protect any number of players and planeswalkers, really. It's fair. Um and she lets you reuse your fogs from your graveyard, and she lets you look for fogs when it's time to look for fogs, and she lets you look for nexuses when it's time to look for nexuses. That's like, fair. When you want nexuses, that's the only card you care about drawing, so the plus one makes a lot of sense yep. in that situation. Um, she also fills your graveyard for Search for Escanta flipping, which sometimes doesn't flip as quickly as you would hope True. in the deck. Yeah. And her... Passive doesn't really do that much. Uh, and it's kind of a nice card to be able to play on that, like, awkward turn right after you've cast your Wilderness Reclamation, where you, yeah. like, have five mana, and then... Um, oh, but I guess you can just you you, go to your yeah. step and you get a lot I there. I mean, you get to cast... But it's also, like, you don't always want to cast the Nexus there, because you only have, like, one counterspell up, maybe, against a blue deck. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you resolved the Wilderness Reclamation, so they're probably out, but... Uh, <laughs> if you found an opening in Castle Wilderness Reclamation yeah. or something. But right. yeah, like she she fills up, I think she fills a powerful role in the deck and she also keeps you, she helps insulate you against that like, oh crap, all of my win conditions are in my graveyard. Yeah, yeah. You only need like one Hydra Crisis in your deck mm-hmm. to, to finish the game off right. with Damio. So yeah. that's fair. That's kind of nice. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I could see it. Yeah. Like, maybe. I'm not sold. And I don't think you run, like, too many, but I'm pretty happy picking up two of these for a buck sixty-eight a piece. Sure. That seems fine. Next, we have Teferi Time Raveler. This is one white and a blue for a Planeswalker Teferi for loyalty. Each opponent can cast spells only any time they could cast a sorcery. Plus one, until your next turn, you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. And minus three, return up to one target artifact, creature, or enchantment to its owner's hand. Draw a card. And we've confirmed if you both have a Teferi Time Raveler in play and you're both plus one-ing, you still can only cast stuff during your main phase. So, um, not the way that you want it to work. I'm mad. <laughs> for elegance and wording's sake, but yeah, that's just how the rules apply. Um, yeah. I totally understand that would be how the rules work, but they should have worded it differently (laughs) because using the English language, that's not how this card reads. Yeah. Oh my God, this card is $15. (laughs) This card has a lot of hype around it uh, just because, you know, it it definitely is a mirror breaker Mm -hmm. for control decks. Yeah. I think that the blue-white control decks, especially in standard, are going to have these in their sideboard. Yeah. Um, it's just impossible to function properly in the mirror. Right, yeah. You If you resolve one of these and your opponent doesn't have access to one of these, you're just going to win. Yep. I Yeah, I think $15 is a reasonable overhyped price. Yeah. It's going to go down. Yeah. Not buying this at $15. Yeah. The demand it's... is just not going to be there because it's only seeing play in sideboards of control decks. Yeah. And that's I just mean, not a lot of people. It might be 
possible to run one or two, but it is very bad against any of the monocolored aggro decks. Yeah. Which will still exist. Yeah. And it just does nothing against. I mean, it's a sideboard card. If somehow you were able to like keep it in play against mono blue, like they can't cast their counter spells on your turn, but like that's not a thing you're really super capable of doing. Like you you'd have to resolve it and then plus it and it goes up to five, which is like kind of hard for them to kill. Maybe could possibly have some application there, but kind of only on the play. Like it's very bad on the draw in that sort of matchup. So yeah, it it's too narrow to be fifteen dollars and yeah. not buying any. But it's, it's definitely good. It will definitely see plenty of play. Yeah. Like we've we've talked about why this card is good and it, it breaks a bunch of mirrors and, and any matchup where anybody's trying to cast chemisters insights or whatever. Right. Like right, this right. card's a nightmare. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Whew. We're getting there. It's a lot of these gold cards. We passed S. And whenever you pass S, you're that towards means, the end. It's, it, you're towards the end. T is, for some reason, the letter in the alphabet that in my mind is like, all right, we're at the end of the alphabet. We hit T. We're, we're almost done. Well, it feels that way because S, especially in Magic the Gathering, is the most common Oh, yes. Yeah, so you move through the bulk. You move through a, a huge amount of S. That makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. So I think we're, we're really like on the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, next is 10th District Legionnaire, red-white for 2-2 haste, human soldier. Whenever you cast a spell that targets 10th District Legionnaire, put a plus one, plus one counter on 10th District Legionnaire, then scry one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just if there's a if there's a heroic deck, this is also part of the reason that it's good. It yes. Just... It's just a it's just an old good old-fashioned heroic creature. Yeah. Um you know, it's even like, you know, if we're comparing them to the heroic creatures of old, it would be like the best one. <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, Naturally having haste. Great. Yeah, yeah phenomenal. Like, uh, you could describe one as well. The scry is huge. Yeah, because there, well, there's a blue. There's right. a blue. That white, was right. just this card without the haste. Right. And you couldn't really run it because the colors were too awkward. You mm-hmm. could run like one or two and you're like, you're. Yeah, so it it was it was tough, but this is the correct colors yeah. for it to be in this format. It has haste, which I think is really big, because a lot of times you know they kill all your guys, and you're sitting there with two pump spells in your hand. Yeah, and you're like crap, but then you draw this, and you get to do them all on one turn. Yeah, really good if you have feather in play, and you can just aim a pump spell at this on your turn, aim it at it on their turn, aim it at it on your turn, and you're just it's gonna get really big really quick gigantic yeah and you're getting like maybe even multiple scries if you're if it's like a a summit sprint or something like that you (laughs) get to scry a bunch yeah so yeah if the deck is real this is the card that makes it okay well it's incredibly cheap so i'll add four to my cart there 10 cents you know i don't have the rares for the heroic deck because I, I they are a little bit overhyped right now. So yeah. I don't have feather, don't have the dreadhorde arcanist, but not having might to as well just get these when they're ten cents. Because if right. that deck ends up being good, then this will go up to forty cents. Yeah. So. And I mean, mostly it's so I don't have to dig around and try to scrounge up these uncommons. <laughs> right. If right. you know, it's much easier to find three feathers and four dreadhorde arcanists when I want to put this yes. deck together. Yes. Very true. Uh, next, we've got Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, the buy a box promo. Four blue black for a five loyalty Planeswalker. Creature and Planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts. Plus two deals X to each opponent, where X is the number of artifacts you control. You gain X life. Minus three, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Minus eight, exile the top ten cards of your library. Put all artifact cards from among them onto the battlefield. 
Um, yeah, I mean, not interested in this card right now, certainly. This is what a Firebox promo should be. Yes. This is, it's like kind of cool. Not going to see play. <laughs> I, well, as a buyer box promo, it certainly doesn't exist yet. Yeah, it's just weird that Anybody who has it. them is not going to be able to sell them. Right. They but... need to be reintroduced to stores through people purchasing boxes and then reselling them. So it's well, not, not going to It's just weird that it's not list. listed as pre-orderable. Oh, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, I guess stores don't get them because they would have to... But you think stores could anticipate like buying them back from people? It, it's surprising how few of these that they're going to be able to get initially. Yeah, yeah so. it probably takes a little while. Anyways, yeah, this card is certainly not good yet. It might be good because I we it feels like we've been getting plants for artifact cards and upcoming sets. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I think all of the power of this card is kind of sitting in that static ability of giving affinity to your yeah. creatures and planeswalker spells. Right. It's because it gives that to your, like, artifact creature spells. Yeah. So they become free. Right. And Karns become free. And Ugin from this set becomes free. Um, and so you can get, like, a pretty huge tempo, massive tempo turn, especially, like, a couple of cheap cantrippy artifacts couple of mana ramp artifact like mana rocks and you cast this guy a turn or two early and then like follow it up with a creature and a big colorless planeswalker or something like that i'm really looking forward to playing this card in lee's artifact cube yes <laughs> it's gotta go in Definitely. Lee, put this in your artifact cube this, i want to play with it this also has infinite combos all right so if you have Several artifacts in play. I don't remember exactly how many you need to pull this off. Okay. But, so you play the new Karn, and you minus to get a card from your sideboard. Okay. The card you get is Guardians of Koilos, which is a 5-mana 4-4 artifact creature from Dominaria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That when it enters the battlefield, you can return a historic permanent you control to your hand. Okay. So you cast that for free, return Karn to your hand. Okay. You cast Karn again. Yeah. You get another Guardians of Koilos. Okay. And you can, I don't know exactly like where this goes. It's not quite infinite, but it, you, you get a lot of 4-4s. Four you can, so certainly like the easiest thing is just like have 4-4-4s four, four, in your sideboard, the combo of these two cards and a bunch of artifacts in play, put 16 power into play. Sure. Like that's a pretty good start. Yeah. There's also like infinite combos and stuff because with those two guardians, you could just like bounce and replay the guardians a bunch of times. A so lot of ETB triggers. Anything that, tar that triggered off of historic casts or something uh -huh. like that, uh, that sure. would work. Um, there's like weird stuff you can do with this. I'm not building this deck right now. I'm not <laughs> yeah. pre-ordering this card. Yeah. But all of the power of this card is tied up in that yeah. static ability. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, it definitely opens up the window. Like, I wonder if like there's any room for abuse in like weird, like eternal formats. I don't know. Potentially, six yeah. mana is a ton, but six is so much. It's much easier to get a bunch of artifacts in play in those formats. But I could totally see a deck built that just like wins if you resolve that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just that mana creating ability yeah. is just exceptionally powerful. Right. Um, next, we have time wipe two blue, blue two white white and a blue sorcery. Return a creature you control to its owner's hand, then destroy all creatures. I mostly foresee this in white-blue decks. You get to bounce your auger to your hand yeah. and reuse it and right. as you wrath. That's yeah. cool. It's Yeah, it's a five-mana wrath. Yeah. And then, you know, it combos with the auger bolus every once in a while. Yeah. I think, I think that that's strong. I think it will see play. Yeah. I, and if you're, like, running Kefnet or something, then sure. Right. It's a buck. 
eh, can't hurt to have like two of these lying around, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it'll see play. I think it's worth having. Yeah. Especially at a dollar. Absolutely. Yeah. It is kind of funny to me that that is more expensive than the four mana wrath we get in the set, which I actually think is quite good. So, yeah. <sighs> interesting. All right. Uh, Tulsimir, friend to wolves, two green, green, and a white for a three, three elf scout. When it enters the battlefield, create Voja, friend to elves, a legendary three, three green and white wolf, green and white wolf creature token. When a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life, and that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. So this card was kind of cool, and then it just got completely demolished by the existence of Enter the God Eternals, <laughs> which just, like, does all the same stuff but better. Yeah. Pretty unfortunate. But this is in completely different colors. If you need this as a sideboard card as against aggressive decks, it's fine. If you draw it... If you, had, if you like, put it in your main deck and you draw it against a control deck, it's two 3-3 three, three bodies, so you get six power. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, fine with Vanifar and maybe, like, Neoform or something. Right. I The problem is that this card is... fits. It's just one of those other cards that I'm going to categorize as uh, fine, but not as powerful as the other things you can do right now. Yeah. For it's, five mana, like, you right. can get you Vivian can Reed. play a Tristani. Tristani. Like, there's plenty of good stuff at five. Right. Not excited to start this. Yeah. So, I'm sure it's, like... Under a dollar. Yeah, but it just, I don't know, it just kind of screams bulkware to me. It, it really feels like a bulkware to me. But just, even though you're not, it's not getting like overridden by Enter the God Eternals, but I'm really just much lower on it after seeing that card. Yeah. Yeah, 50 cents, but yeah, it, it feels like a bulkware that I will just never cast. Yeah. So I'm not going to spend my time on it. Tyrant Scorn. Blue and a black for an instant. Choose one. Destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less. Will return target creature to its owner's hand. This card's flexible. This card's interesting. Two mana removal spell. Yeah. The problem is that I just like don't think that it is fulfilling a role that isn't already fulfilled by stronger cards. Yeah. Probably gonna mostly run cast down over something like yeah. this. Yeah. Like the blue black decks have no uh, shortage of good two mana removal spells in yeah. my mind. So. Yeah. Like, this has, like, the flexibility of being able to potentially, like, bounce a big thing for a turn to, like, buy some time. Mm -hmm. But that always feels bad, I'll be honest. I've seen people talking about it being exciting for, like, older formats, but I just don't... The I'm... one, I, I will say, it it looks intriguing for Legacy because it kills Meritlage and it can kill... A majority of the other things that you care about. Yeah, and it bounces Gurmag Angler. Um, and it bounces Gurmag Angler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not that. I guess that combo of killing Merit Lage and killing most stuff probably makes it. You know, because yeah. I was thinking like, is this actually just like better than Terminate, which just doesn't get cast in most of these formats? But <laughs> right. but it does fulfill a kind of specific role where that that yeah. could be good. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. For so sure. yeah, if you're looking for like a you know. One of those, ob like, people play Dead Gone in the yeah. main deck of their their deck in Legacy. Yeah. So it's it's not unreasonable that this could see I agree. main deck play in, like, Grixis control in Legacy. Yeah. And I'm sure it will see a little bit of play in Standard. Just, you play your removal spells based on the things you want to kill. And yeah. this may kill right. exact, do exactly the things that you need it to do. Maybe for, this is it. Yeah. Yep. For sure. At least for a weekend. 32 cents, or 19 cents. All right, whatever. I'm just going to get three at 19 cents. Sure. Widespread Brutality, one, a black, and two red for a sorcery. Amass two, then the army you amassed deals damage equal to its power to each non-army creature. So this card has some power to it, but that double red in its cost 
like most of the amassed cards I actually want to play in standard are pretty heavy black. blue blue and black. Yeah. And having double red in the cost, I think, like almost kills this card completely for me. Yeah. I do think it's strong. Um, and I think that if you find yourselves in this color combination for whatever reason, mm -hmm. it's definitely a card you want to consider. It, like at least for your sideboard. Because yeah. it, you know, it's just clearly very strong against, you know, mono white, mono blue. Right. Um, Every once in a while, it may be fine just doing this with very few or no mass synergy. Right, exactly. I yeah, I could see this as like just a sideboard card mm -hmm. um, for those matchups. Yeah. So. Yeah. 60 cents. Eh, I'm just going to pass on this for now. It makes sense. It's just very narrow and I, I'm not really into it. Mm -hmm. Blast Zone. We've moved on to the colorless cards. Here we go. We're, We're almost lands. done. <laughs> colorless cards, lands, artifacts. Yeah. Blast Zone may be the most impressive of all of them. Yeah. So, Blast Zone. It's a land. Blast Zone enters the battlefield with a charge counter on it. Uh, it taps for a colorless. Um, you can pay XX and tap it to add X charge counters to Blast Zone. And you can pay three mana, tap it, and sacrifice it to destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Blast Zone. Like, this probably has the most lasting impact on Magic the Gathering of any card in this set. Yeah. Easily. This, it's just, it's a new effect on a land. Mm -hmm. um, we're blowing up permanents with our lands now. Uh, it seems pretty intriguing. The one thing that I kind of like the most about this card is that you can just play it and blow up a bunch of ones. Yeah. It's so good against mono blue. Yeah. They have no defense against right. this. Right. It's just your land drop. Play yeah. this, all your ones are gone. Or, you know, even it kills their their Curious Obsession. Yeah. Uh, so even if they have a Curious Obsession on their, you know, bigger guys, then yeah. still get rid of that. Yep. It, it, it's definitely playable in standard. You can only really be a two-color deck if you're going to be putting any number of colorless lands right. in your deck. True. Um, and, you, like, you're probably kind of limited in the number of colorless lands you can do. Mm -hmm. But, and, and you really don't want to be sacrificing this that early... Although against mono blue, it kind of doesn't matter. Like if you get their threats dead, like you're gonna win the game eventually, even if yeah, you're a little yeah. behind on lands. So, internal formats clearly has a ton of application. This card is great in Life from the Loam decks. Uh, yeah, you know it doesn't solve Blood Moon, but lands is ecstatic to see this card. Yeah, beyond ecstatic. You don't have to run Barbarian Ring anymore in right. lands. Yeah, you just get to kill like. All of the problem cards. Mm -hmm. It's a little slow, so that could end up being problematic in some ways, but mm -hmm. also kills your exploration. Not great. If you or, right, if you're doing if you one. have to do it for one, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, other notables is it's slow. Mm -hmm. It, it, it is requires slow. a significant mana investment, right, um, or time investment. But I can't believe this land comes into play untapped. True. That's it is kind of slow to do its thing, right. but it doesn't slow you down right. in your game plan. Yeah. Except and, by I mean, not making colored mana. Yeah, and like like in the late game, if you need to get rid of a bunch of threes or mm -hmm. whatever, you play it um, on turn five. Yep. You put the charge counters put on. Put two it. counters on it, and now you can next turn blow up all the threes. Yeah. Uh, it seems well costed in that way. Yeah. I like it. I like it too. It's also in modern, I think it probably takes up at least one of the the land slots in Tron. Um, I think it solves a lot of Tron's problems, actually. Right. Um, no amount of meddling mages stops you from blast zoning on two, mm -hmm. and that's pretty good. Also, in standard, might be good in Wilderness Reclamation, because you have a bunch of mana, uh, and True. you also get to like you play it, it, put the charge times. counters on. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, just going to see a ton of play in every format. Um, 
it is eight dollars right now so i'm just gonna hold you know because it's a brand new effect that people want to get and start using yeah um i don't think this is over hype pricing i think that's just like a demand is high at the beginning of this card's life in magic the gathering price predictions for this card is it so it's gonna start off pre-ordering for eight dollars i think it'll hit five mm -hmm. um about halfway through the set yep um once the set rotates out of standard, mm -hmm. so I'm talking a couple years from now, this card is going to be the only card that maintains value yeah. from the boxes. So it will probably end up like two, three years from now being like a $20 card. If it At is, some point. If it is as good as we think it is in the genre formats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think it is going to be just... It does things that no other card does, right. and that's a way to be good in Eternal Format. But as long as this card's in standard, it's it's going to be about a $5 card yeah. in my mind. Yeah, and I'll just pick them up at some point then. Emergent Zone, tap at a colorless, one tap, sacrifice Emergent Zone, you may cast spells this turn as though they had flash. I don't think this card is very good. Yeah, I just can't picture a deck that wants to put this as their colorless land in their deck. No. We have other better ones now. Yeah. You know, it has potentially some application with Wilderness Reclamation, but I'd rather just put the instance in my deck. Like, we don't really have that big of a problem getting payoffs that we want to do weird stuff with our lands and then put cards that are not... Like, maybe if you already wanted some number of Hydroid Craces in your Wilderness Reclamation deck and you could justify this in your mana base. Other than that, this seems like a... You know, like an EDH kind of card to me or something. Right. I'm not interested in buying any of them. Agreed. So this is Niv Mizzet's head. Oh, Firemind Vessel. Yes. <laughs> uh, poor guy. Yeah. Uh, but he, he gets better. Okay. So four <laughs> for an artifact. Enters the battlefield tapped. Tap, add two mana of different colors. Mm -hmm. Just some redundancy with Circuitous Root or kind of hefty mana ramp in non-green decks like when treasure map rotates out if you want to cast niv mizzet Perun, you can on turn four cast this and then on turn five you can have niv mizzet and a mana up i guess once treasure map is rotated we don't have dive down anymore so that's a little sad i'm sure but you know this adds a capability to colors that can't do this and also is redundant in green with a similar effect so maybe find some space there yeah i mean you know four mana add two it's it's not bad yeah not insane no and uh coming into play tapped is like a pretty big cost one of the cool things that you could do with was it hedron archive that was like the... yeah 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 it was kind of, it's kind of effectively just a two mana card yeah as it's, long as you could use that right, mana right 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 then you don't get that but this card has potential i don't want to look for it it's 14 cents so i'm gonna i'm gonna pick up a set Seems reasonable. We've got Guild Globe, two for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Two tap, sacrifice Guild Globe, add two mana of different colors. There's always some use for these cantrip artifacts. <laughs> yeah. So. They're always floating around. Yeah. Doing various things. If Tezzeret gets standard playable, that deck's gonna have four Guild Globes in it. Yeah. Just to come down and cheapen everything. Yeah. For now, I don't care about this card at all. <laughs> right. Interplanar Beacon is a land. Whenever you cast a Planeswalker spell, you gain one life. Tap, add a colorless. One tap, add two mana of different colors. Spend this mana only to cast Planeswalker spells. I'm having a hard time imagining a Planeswalker heavy enough deck that, like, this is what we want to be right. doing. Yeah, it's just, like, not even a very good... Uh, 
you know, uh, it's not even very good, like, multicolored yeah. land for yeah. specific things, so. Um, right, you can't, like, cast your three red red Sarkin off of this unless you drew yeah. another red land right. if you're, like, going really hard on different color planeswalkers. Yeah. And obviously any deck with this many planeswalkers wants three red red Sarkin in it, so you can just plus one and 20 them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I think we're just, you're just better off with real lands in your deck. Agreed. All right. Karn the Great Creator. Here we go. Here we go. Four color or four generic mana, five loyalty. Activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated. Plus one until your next turn, up to one target non-creature artifact becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost. Minus two, you may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game or in exile. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. The combo being get a Mycosynth Lattice from outside the game, which you never have to draw, so that's nice. Yeah. Cast it with Karn in play. Your opponent can't cast spells anymore. Nice. That's pretty... That's a thing. That's definitely a thing. Yeah, I mean, Tron gets to 10 mana. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly where I'm picturing it. Like, so say your payoff here for mulliganing hard with Tron Yeah. is you get Tron, you cast Karn. Right. You're low on cards. Right. You minus. Yeah. You get an ensnaring bridge out of your sideboard. Sure. Ensnaring bridge. Untap, get your Microsynth Lattice, play it. Like, you just won the game off of, like, four or five cards. Great. Like, I'm in. I, I think that's good. I think that's legitimately good. I, yeah, I, this, this, the more that people are talking about, like, various things that you can do with the minus two, the more I'm starting to like this card more and more. Yeah. Yeah. Karn, bridge, untap, yep. Lattice. Game. Or just like 10 mana, uh, Karn, Lattice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you do have to be protecting Karn from the creatures that are in play already somehow. True. Um, True. But yeah, so I think Tron is like a very natural place to look to do this. And it, it allows you to attack metagames that Karn is, or that Tron is like traditionally not super into. Like, the fact that that just like beats all the spells in your opponent's deck, right, is hilarious. Yeah, that's really good and an angle that Tron didn't really have before. This could also just be a thing in artifact prison sort of decks because it does go really well with Ensnaring Bridge. Mm -hmm. Ensnaring Bridge solves all the creatures. Mycosynth Lattice solves all the spells. We're done here. Right, and then this even ends the game on time, so you don't draw because it like turns your Mycosynth Lattice into a six six and you just kill them with it. Amazing. Depending on how many dudes they have in play. So yeah, I, I think Karn is real. I think these interactions are legitimate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can totally see it for sure. Um, one cute interaction here. So sometimes you play a Planeswalker against Affinity. Or sometimes you play like Stony Silence against Affinity. But they've already equipped their Cranial Plating, so it doesn't work. Yeah. Karn can plus one on their Cranial Plating, and it falls off. And then they can uh, never equip it again. Oh, uh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of cute. I don't know how often that comes up. But, but the uh, it becomes a creature until your next turn. Oh, until your next turn. Well, it's just so, a 2-2. Two -two. Yeah, so, I mean, oh, for sure. I mean, like, that could totally be yeah. what you want there. But it, yeah, you're right. It is until your next turn. Weird. This card's $10. I think it's most of its applications are in eternal formats. Um, I think it does enough cool things that this is why it's it's hyped up right now and the demand is high. Uh, I, like, I don't think it's insane to pay $10 for this card, but I will wait. I think that Bluetron actually gets the this most... really does feel like a Bluetron card. This is such a Bluetron card. <laughs> uh, 
the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wow. This like all these play patterns that you're describing to me right now, it's just like, oh, that's blue tron. That's a blue tron. <laughs> yeah, that's a blue tron thing. Weird, tricky, like nonsense ways to spend a ton. Of yeah, time. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're gonna be seeing this card. I guarantee it. Um I'm just not gonna pick them up now, but I'll get them at some point. Yep. That's fair. All right, we've got three cards left. We're going to do it. I think we can do it. Uh, Karn's Bastion is a land. Taps for colorless. Four, tap, proliferate. Yeah. In the right deck, this feels a lot like Gavany Township-esque. Yeah, I, think I can see that for a, sure. A lot of the time, this is not Gavany Township. A lot of the time, this is like pretty medium. Yeah. But if you ever have had a Johnny come into play at minus, then all of a sudden, yeah, this is now we're talking about Gavin. Yeah, and that that feels pretty good. Yeah, and that card was great. The difference, though, being, um, you know, you need your the the difference of it doesn't put the initial counter on your guys. It's huge. It's, it's so big. It's so big. One of the huge things that Gavin Township did is when your deck was full of mana dudes and they like killed your real stuff. And then you're just like, oh, my board is an Avacyn's Pilgrim and a Birds of Paradise or whatever. And they're like, oh, wait, that's, that's totally fine. In two turns, I'm going to have, like, lethal attackers in play. Yeah. yeah, and this doesn't do that. Right. Um, it's also $5 right now. It's not worth $5. It's not worth $5. Yeah. I, I bet it'll see some play. How um, much I, is Gavany worth? I guess, yeah, Gavany Township is... That's $5. $5. Interesting. I bet casual play is, is buoying that up some because it's a pretty True. neat casual and it, card. You know, it's he's playing modern. It's like it does. It's like in the modern um green white decks. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's like a one yeah, yeah, or yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah, like Gavity Township just does it all on its own as long as you have the green and the white mana. Right, right, right. right. Cars Bastion, you know, you get the loyalty counters on your planeswalkers too, and that might be part of the the draw here, mm -hmm. but it's not a five dollar card. No, I don't think so. Next we've got mobilized district. It's a land, tap for colorless, and it has four. Mobilized District becomes a 3-3 citizen creature with vigilance until end of turn. It's still a land. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature and planeswalker you control. It's a win more man land. Yeah. Huh. I the main reason why I think this might see play is because it's the only man land we have access to in standard. Okay. And you cannot cast Teferi or Nicol Bolas minus on their one thing and then have it be safe if your opponent just has a mobilized district in play. Mm -hmm. And there may just be decks that want to disincentivize that Planeswalker play pattern, can afford to play a colorless land. Maybe sometimes this gets cheaper. But it is pretty medium at four mana, not that much better at three mana. Once you get down to two, then it's like, okay, this is fine. This is like a treetop village. Sure. But it's really hard to get it down to two. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's okay. And the main reason that it's okay is because there's no competition for the slot index. That's fair. Like if you're really desperate for a man land, sure. Yeah. That's that's uh, main. That's mainly it. Yeah. Yeah. It's over a dollar right now. I, so I'm just not really yeah. into it if i need him for something i'll get him but i mostly want my mana to be good more than i want like my mana base to do extra stuff right now in standard mm -hmm. definitely i think maybe later so one of the big problems is also you don't put this in any of the monocolored decks 
because you're casting Penelish Marshall or Goblin Chain Whirler <laughs> yeah. or Tempest Jin or just like 18 one drops. Right. So right, right, right. Maybe later on post rotation when the monocolored decks are doing different stuff and can use colorless mana, but maybe 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 but we're especially disincentivized right now from running this yeah for sure all right last card we've got ugin the ineffable you cannot f him (laughs) six six generic mana (laughs) he's ineffable he's ineffable (laughs) all right six generic mana four loyalty planeswalker colorless spells you cast cost two less to cast Plus one, exile the top card of your library face down and look at it. Create a 2-2 colorless spirit creature token. When that token leaves the battlefield, put the exile card into your hand. Minus three, destroy target permanent. That's one or more colors. Yeah. This card is very weird. The plus one is so strange. (laughs) It's so weird. I like it. The plus one... See, the plus one feels a lot like Liliana Dreadhorde General's plus one. Yeah. Honestly, like, ends up being super similar yeah except for like the way it plays out with you having to keep track of which card is tied to which two yeah 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 well I, i'm assuming that'll be fine just you just use the, the card two, as two the token, token. yeah or or yeah, yeah, yeah. That for sure but more spirits that don't fly spirit tokens that don't fly is eh, interesting we've had we've had spirits don't fly always i get it kamigawa sure. had a lot of non-flying spirits yeah, yeah. but i don't know yeah i know it feels um, a little unnatural in terms of just this card, I, honestly, I don't know what I think about this card. I It feels pretty underwhelming to me. I don't think it's that great. Yeah. You know, you, you get plus to get tokens, and then, you know, those tokens, when they die, turn into cards. That's, like, a new thing, so it's kind mm-hmm. of, like, hard for me to value in the fly. Um, I think that plus is strong. Yeah. It's a lot of value, which is nice. Um, and then the minus three, I also think is, you it's know, decent. it's of course, it's yeah. great. Yeah. It's um, a... it, you blow up stuff. Right. It but doesn't really care if it's a planeswalker or a but creature. Like, look at the position you're putting yourself in with this planeswalker when you come down in minus. Mm-hmm. Like, you're putting yourself in a similar spot as Nicole Bolas or Teferi. Yeah. Where you go down to one loyalty. Mm-hmm. But this this is a six mana planeswalker, yeah, that, not a five mana That's the kicker for me. I think that if this card was five mana, it would be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but at six mana, it for some reason, that difference just makes it feel a little underwhelming. Yeah. Um, that it, it could be true that I am under evaluating the plus one and that's why it feels underwhelming to me. I think this is mostly like a worse colorless version in standard, at least is a worse colorless version of Liliana or general. Sure. Like she has a plus one that makes two twos and those two twos tend to draw you cards when they die. And she just has a better ability to keep the board clear and stuff and works towards an ultimate, um, and has a lot more loyalty to for your opponent to work through to kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, he is Ugin is colorless, so maybe fits into you know I built this white black deck that I need some sort of value engine in, and maybe it slots into there. Also, can get cast off of Tron lands. Yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Like Tron makes seven mana, and then you can cast Karn. Right, like that Karn's just Karn's, like a better. Karn's version minus of three this. is just significantly better than yeah. this one. Yeah, like imagine if you're playing the Tron Mirror and yeah. you Tron first. And you get to play. And you play Ugin. Ugin. Yeah. And then they just play a Karn. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, sounds pretty ethical to me. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, of course this card is like $10 right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a mythic. Yeah. It has, you know... Mythic colorless Some, some like, keywords on I mean, it. I don't think it's actually mythic. I think this oh. is just this weird picture that I've pulled up. Oh. It, it is a rare. It's a rare. Okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah. But $10 rare 
Like, this will come down. I'm mm-hmm. not buying this right now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right. That does it. That does it. Cool. All right. Great. I guess I stopped doing, like, total spending summaries. Today, in my cart, I currently have $97 worth of cards. And so that's red, green, multicolor, colorless cards. I feel like I was healthily reserved from the, the multicolor cards. <laughs> I kind of wanted to get most of them, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel... You know. I feel. No. And honestly, that seems like, you know, in terms of, like, if you're expecting that this is, like, a majority of the cards that you're going to need to buy from the new set, yep, great price point. I mean, there's definitely a few that I've just been like, eh, let's not pick them up now. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I probably do end up with Finales of Devastation at some point. Sure. But I, sure. it's just not... Stuff is overvalued right now, and I, I want to avoid buying that. Does that make sense? But yeah, so we should probably wrap things up. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. Really appreciate your time. Um, hope this was a good format. Please give us feedback about it. Yeah. Uh, this was fun to do, so we will probably be returning to it unless people hate it. Um, so yeah, let us know uh, on in Discord if you're a patron or on Twitter if you aren't. Uh, if you would like to become a patron, head over to our website, mtggrindcast.com, and you can find links to our Patreon there. You can find links to Collins' coaching services, find all the episodes and that sort of thing. You can head over straight to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I am tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast, and Collins is also on Twitter, at Collins Mullen. Thanks a lot for listening to all this, and have a great week. Peace.